The following adventure you are about to embark on with us comprises of a series of episodes originally created for YouTube. They contain many visual elements, but are in no way required for your listening experience. You may from time to time hear references to what is going on, on the board, or audio cuts from different episodes. If you would like to watch the episodes in their original form, there is a link in the description to our YouTube page. Time to enjoy some Dungeons and Dragons. All right, gentlemen, thank you all for coming. I hope you've all brought your food and drinks because we will not be pausing for a food break. I thought it would be fun for us to start by playing the Curse of Strahd adventure. I've got some guests to play as NPCs for us when the time comes to. Yeah, I grabbed some McDonald's on the way over and ordered two Diet Cokes to get me through. Oh, well, shit. I wish I knew that ahead of time. I haven't eaten yet. No joke. Can I order something to get delivered? Seriously, Joe, you replied to my text saying that wouldn't be a problem. Oh, uh, that must have been Hunter. He had my phone again. You really got to stop letting him use your phone, Joe. You don't know where he's been? Shut it, Donald. I'll see if I can get Michelle to grab something for us later, then. I brought a 12-pack of beer if anyone wants some. Hell yeah, man. I'll take one now. All right, all right. Let's rein this pony show in and get to character introductions. I've already got your character sheets on the app. But if you'd like to let everyone else know what you're playing now is the time. Remember, we're starting this campaign with the idea that you yourselves are characters in this game world as younger versions of yourselves. Oh, shit. We're isekaiing it up then? Hell yeah. Not quite. All right, guys, you're looking at the most badass paladin ever created. That's not what I say either. It's what they say. Who is they? The NPCs in the campaign, Sleepy Joe. I've got it in my background that everyone loves me and I love them. I, too, was once loved by the people. Keep telling yourself that, Bill. What the fuck was that laugh, George? Anyways, like I was saying, best paladin ever. Donald grew up as a noble and is loved by all. Mark my words. I have a way with words and make everyone I meet feel super important. Hey, wait. I'm playing a bard and was planning on being the face of our group. Get over it, Bill. We can both be smooth talkers. I just use my silver tongue for good, and you use yours for sexual favors. I did not have... Don't even go there, lover boy. Moving on. All right, Joe, tell us about your character. I think Joe's fallen asleep already. You've got to be fucking kidding me, Joe. Whoa, am I, where, where am I? Your character, Joe, explain him to us. Oh, yeah. I'm playing as a rogue, I think. Great, we've got a skill monkey. I'm playing a human, not a monkey. Could have fooled me. Fuck you, Donald. See if I do anything for you with my ten skills I have proficiency in. That's good. I'm sure those will all come in handy in the campaign, Joe. My character isn't the most skilled, so I'll probably rely on you for some skill stuff at some point, Joe. Even if you didn't want to use skills for me, my character could probably just persuade you to do what I want anyways. Oh, really? Let's hear about your character then, Bill. All right, like I said, I'm trying to be the face of the group, so I chose Bard. I've got a very high charisma, so all those skills are pretty high as well. I also wanted to ask if I could switch out my loot for a saxophone for a bit of flavor, Barack. I mean, I really don't care. We'll just act like they exist, I guess. Hell yeah. Is it my turn yet? I think it might be my turn. You already went, dumbass. Are you sure? Yes! Okay, come on, man. Calm down. So yeah, I'm playing a ranger. A Texas ranger, if you will. I will be your long-range support with my bow and arrows. Just don't hit me while I'm in close quarters being a badass. I will try not to. It'd be funnier if you did. Would it be funny when I stick my foot up your ass? Maybe, but then again, what if I'm into that? 
gross. All right, we got some small introductions out of the way. I'm going to start introducing you guys to the setting and everything now. Go for it. Going to set the scene with some ambient music and sounds. Hell yeah. To a party of seasoned adventurers such as yourselves, what you see is but another dull tavern in another dull town in some nameless province. It is but another span of time between the challenges of true adventuring. You hear that, Joe? He called you a seasoned adventurer. Yeah, so? The only adventuring you do is getting lost in the White House garden. I wasn't lost. I, uh, I saw something in the bushes I needed to check out. Sure thing, Joe. Guys, can I please get through this? Yeah, I want to get to the good part and try to score with the tavern wench. Outside the tavern, a fog lies over the town this evening. The damp, cobbled pavement glistens as the lights of street lanterns dance across the slick stones. The fog chills the bones and shivers the soul of anyone outside. Yet inside these tavern walls, the food is hearty and the ale is warm and frothy. A fire blazes in the hearth, and the tavern is alive with the tumbling voices of country folk. Suddenly, the tavern door swings open and a hush falls over the room. Oh, shit. Framed by the lamp-lit fog, a form strides through the doorway. His heavy booted footfalls and the jingle of his coins shatter the silence. His brightly colored clothes are draped in loose folds about him and his hat hangs askew, hiding his eyes in shadows. Without hesitation, he walks up to your table and stands proudly in a wide stance with folded arms. Who's this guy supposed to be? I have been sent to you to deliver this message. Ah, oh, shit, it's Ben. Who? If you be creatures of honor, you will come to my master's aid at first light. It is not advisable to travel the Svalich woods at night. He pulls from his tunic a sealed letter addressed to all of you in beautiful flowing script. He drops the letter on the table. Take the west road from here some five hours march down through the Svalich woods. There you will find my master in Barovia. Why the hell would we do that? What can your master do for us in return for helping him? Well... Oh, shut it, Bill. This is clearly an adventure hook. No shit. I'm playing my character, and I want to get some good shit for this. Yeah, I'm with Bill. I'd like to at least get something out of the deal. I'm sure my master will reward you handsomely. Who's handsome? This is getting out of hand. Whose hand? Uh, anyways, I'm sure you'll be compensated generously for your time. As the face of our group, I will do the negotiating here. Bullshit. I never agree to that. I'd like to roll to persuade Donald to let me be the face of the group and do the negotiating from here on out. I'll allow it for this instance. Bill, I'd like you to make a contested persuasion check against Donald's persuasion. Whoever rolls highest will have control over the situation. Get ready to get your ass kicked verbally. Not likely. Uh, I got a six. Plus my persuasion, that makes eleven. Eleven plus three is fourteen. That's right. Don't you forget it. No one beats me. Sorry, Bill, but it looks like Donald's in control of this conversation. Whatever. I'm just going to go talk to the barmaid while you sort this out then. All right. Bill wanders over to the bar and starts schmoozing it up with the barmaid. Anyways, where were we? Oh, yeah. Who the hell are you, anyways? We're not just going to impulsively take a random quest from a stranger. My name is Aragal. I'm a Vistani. I don't... What's a Vistani? The Vistani are generally regarded as friendly folk who travel about in covered wagons and keep to themselves. Fucking gypsies. Whoa. Where did that come from? Don't worry about it. I'm in character. Right. All right, weirdo. Try not to insult him before I get the rest of the info out of him. 
Who the hell is your master anyways? I'd like to at least learn a bit about him before we go potentially risking our lives for him. I understand, adventurers. I serve Burgomaster Kolyan Indirovich. The rest of the information you seek is in the contents of this letter I was burdened to deliver to thee. Amid the silent stares of the patronage, the man strides to the bar and says to the wary barkeep, Fill the glasses, one and all. Their throats are obviously parched. He drops a purse heavy with gold on the bar. With that, he leaves. The babble of tavern voices resumes, although somewhat subdued. The letter is lying before you. The seal is in the shape of a crest you don't recognize. Well, shit, I was hoping to ask him a bit more about this Barovia place. Should have been quicker, Donald. I'd have gotten that info. Too bad I'm busy scoring now. Oh, bite me. Ouch, what the fuck, Joe? You said bite you. You lunatic, that doesn't actually mean I want someone to bite me. I can taste the spray on tan. Seriously, can we go five minutes without you two going at it? Right. What is inside that letter? Hold on a sec. Let me see if I can get with this barmaid. All right, Bill. What do you want to do? I want to show her my sack skills and see if that's enough to get her in the mood. Uh, all right. Make a performance check for me. Seriously, I got a seven. You're so good at this, Bill. Fuck off, Donald. Unfortunately, your fingers slip while playing, and you fumble your notes and cause the sacks to screech. This unnerving sound causes not only the barmaid, but everyone else in the tavern to yell some very rude things to you. The barmaid has lost any potential interest she was building for you and tells you she needs to get back to work. Oh, come on, really? Just for a little slip-up? Sucks for you now. Can we get back to the topic at hand here? There's a letter on the table we need to check out. I grab the envelope and use a dagger to slice open the top and pull the letter out. Careful, Joe. Can't have your shaky hand slicing through the letter. You pull the letter out, and as you unfold it, you can clearly see a slice down the middle of the letter. But it doesn't affect your ability to read it. Oh, fuck off, Barack. I'm a rogue. You think I can't use a dagger correctly? Calm down, Joe. I'm just teasing. Here's the letter. Hail to thee of might and volume. I, a lowly server of bark... Nope. Wrong. Joe, you're the skill monkey, and that's it. We don't need you misreading our letters for us. Hey! Hail to thee of might and valor. I, a lowly servant of Barovia, send honor to thee. We plead for thy so desperately needed assistance. The love of my life, Irina Kolyana, has been afflicted by an evil so deadly that even the good people of our village cannot protect her. She languishes from her wound, and I would have her saved from this menace. There is much wealth in this community. I offer all that might be had to thee and thy fellows, if thou shalt but answer my desperate plea. Come quickly, for her time is at hand. All that I have shall be thine. Oh, damn. Sounds serious, and it looks like there will be a decent reward for it. I'm down to go check it out. I don't know, man. That sounds like a trap. Old Corn Pop did something like that once. What? Forget it. All right, gentlemen, what do you want to do? Well, the guy said we should wait till morning, so we should at least try and get some rooms and stay here for the night. Yeah, Bill's right here. But my vote is that we go save this Irina lady. I couldn't live with myself if I willingly let her succumb to this evil. Let's get a room and we'll go from there. Are we all bunking together? There's only one bed per room, so if you do, only one of you will have a bed. I don't know, man. I don't like this idea. This sounds like a trap or something. It's too good to be true. What makes you think it's a trap, Joe? Are you so familiar with false promises you can just pick them out now? If that isn't the Oompa Loompa calling an orange orange. I appreciate the attempt, but your dementia isn't doing you any favors. All I'm saying is we should check out the rest of the tavern before we go bung-ho into that whole mess. Bung-ho, Joe? 
Also, there really isn't much more to this tavern. Most of the people are actively avoiding eye contact after Bill's poor display of sax skill. Fuck off. I'm going to ask the barmaid how much it is to rent a room here. You walk up to the bar and wave for the barmaid's attention. She walks past Bill as if he doesn't even exist and greets Donald. What can I do for you, sir? She asks. Yeah, I was curious how much it is to rent a room here. It is one GP per night for a room. Oof, although I have to inform you I'm completely booked for the night. I am so sorry. We could kick Bill out if you're worried about him. Will that get us a room? The barmaid laughs and shakes her head. You're funny, but no, I'm sorry. I'm completely full up for the night. This has got to be some sick joke. I'm specced for charisma and can't do shit. Meanwhile, look at this shit. Get wrecked, Bill. Like I said, it's in my background. People love me. You'll have your time to shine, Bill. Don't worry. Well, thank you anyways. I guess we'll be off. The barmaid nods and walks off to grab empty glasses from the tables. All right, well, now what? Well, it looks like we're just going to have to go out and set up a campsite somewhere. All right, I'll go scout out an area then. Good idea. We'll wait here then, I guess. George heads out of the tavern to begin searching for a decent area to set up camp. George, roll a survival check for me, please. Five plus five from my survival skill looks like a ten. All right, without too much trouble, you find an area in the forest nearby with flat ground and a stream nearby. Okay, that sounds good. I'll go alert the guys. All right, on your way back, you encounter... Two men. They look rather intimidating and are giving you the stink eye. You guys want something? The men smile and nod. This is a robbery. Give us all your gold and no one gets hurt. Damn it, Barack. Gonna make me fight these guys by myself? Hey, man, the dice determined what you ran into. I'm just telling the story. Look, guys, you're not getting shit from me. I suggest you move on or you'll regret it. Make an intimidation check for me. Three. Oof, that sucks. The men laugh and each of them pulls out a scimitar. One of them yells at you. This is your last chance. Hand over your gold. I'd like to try and use my acrobatics and quickly climb up a tree and pull out my bow. All right, there is a tree nearby. Make an acrobatics check and we'll go from there. 16 plus 3, that's 19. Okay, nice. With ease, you quickly climb your way up the tree and pull out your bow. Now roll initiative. We don't get to help him out? Not this time. He's out away from the tavern and you have no idea this is even happening. That's just how the dice go. All right, I got an 11. Okay, it looks like you get to go first, George. What do you do? Good luck, George. Thanks. All right, I'm going to fire my longbow at one of them. Okay, make an attack roll. Damn, rolled an eight. You send your arrow and it lands right at their feet. They look down at it and then back at you with an even angrier look on their faces. They stow their scimitars and then each of them pull out a light crossbow and begin to take aim. But that is all they can do on both of their turns. Your turn again, George. All right, let's try this again. I'm gonna shoot one of them. Got a 21. That hits, roll for damage. I rolled a two plus three, five damage. Your arrow pierces one of their shoulders and they yell, fuck, you're gonna pay for that one. The one you just shot is gonna fire at you. He rolled a 13. That's a miss. The arrow just barely whizzes past you into the tree. The other bandit attacks. He also misses. All right, luck is on your side, George, get him. Let's fire again at the injured bandit. Got a eight again, damn. The injured bandit fires again and rolls a 14. That hits. Okay, damage roll. Three damage. Ouch. Next one rolls. He misses. All right, once more at the injured one. 11. Sorry, that is a miss. Oh, man. All right, rolling for both bandits. Only one of them hits. 
Five damage. Fuck. Come on, George, clutch it up. All right, come on now, hit. 24, yes. That's definitely a hit. 11 damage. Nice, that's my max. You send an arrow straight through the skull of the injured bandit, killing him outright. The remaining bandit fires an arrow back at you. He misses. All right, I can do this. 21 to hit. 11 damage again. Just like the last bandit, you send an arrow straight through his skull and kill him. Hell yeah, good work, George. Get fucked, you bandit pieces of shit. Jeez, calm down, George. If Donald is the one telling you to calm down, you know it's bad. Just playing my character, guys. He's got a history and some anger issues. I get it. I've got some pent-up anger, too, George. This one time I... Oh, damn it. Be right back. Hillary's on my ass about something. I swear she never shuts up. I get off the tree and go check out their bodies and see what they had on them. Apart from their weapons and clothes, they didn't really have anything. One of them had a pouch with five gold in it. Okay, I grabbed the gold and put it in my pouch. I'm going to continue back to the tavern now. You make it back to the tavern with no more interruptions, and as soon as you open the door, the room falls silent as everyone stares. Don't worry about me. Got mugged by some bandits, but I took care of them. Hell yeah, that's my ranger. I'm going to walk up to George and use lay on hands and heal five of his HP. Thanks, Donald. I've secured us a location to camp at. Got held up by bandits on the way back, but I think it's secure now. All right, boys, let's get out there and get some rest then. You all leave the tavern and make your way out to the campsite and start laying out your bedrolls. Oh shit, I forgot to buy a bedroll. Of course you did. It's fine. We'll all take shifts keeping watch over the night. You can use my bag for now and I'll take first shift. Just try not to piss the bed. Jill says I haven't pissed the bed in two weeks. I'll be fine. I use my tinderbox and make a campfire in the center. All right, I'm back. Sorry, I had to take that call. I guess I'll just head to bed then. Hasn't been my day. All right, I'll stay up the first few hours sitting around the campfire and watch all around us. All right, Donald, you take turns throughout the night keeping watch. The woods are quiet this night and the air grows chill. Your fire sputters as a low mist gathers around the edges of your camp, growing closer as the night wears on. By morning, the fog hangs thick in the air, turning the trees around you into gray ghosts. Then you notice these aren't the same trees that surrounded you the night before. What the hell? Where are we and why is it so foggy? Sorry, guys. I was hotboxing in my tent and let a little get out. I don't know where we are, but we've got to try and find a road or something. You very quickly come across an old dirt road that cuts through the woods. Black pools of water stand like dark mirrors in and around the muddy roadway. Giant trees loom on both sides of the road, their branches clawing at the mist. Well, that was easy. Let's walk along the road until we find something. After about an hour of travel, you notice a sign next to the road that reads, Old Svalich Road, five miles to Barovia. Five miles to Barovia? How do we get so close so fast? I don't like this, Donald. I told you something was up. This has to be a trap. Stop worrying. Look at it as a blessing. We found Barovia quick. We'll be fine. All right, guys, you're on the road and headed east toward the village of Barovia. Do you carry on? Like my wayward son. We'll take the road until we reach the village. Like I said, I don't like this. I'm going to walk off to the side of the road a little further into the trees and bushes. Honestly, that's probably not a bad idea anyways. I'll take the other side of the road. You guys are paranoid. I'll just stay next to Donald as we walk. Thank you, someone who isn't a coward. You're not a coward either, George. You're there for strategy and not being a puss. We'll see who's laughing when you're getting ambushed or something. That'd be me. 
I will be laughing when free loot just wanders so willingly into my path. Amidst all of your quarreling, the fog spills out of the forest to swallow up the road behind you. Ahead, jutting from the impenetrable woods on both sides of the road, are high stone buttresses looming gray in the fog. Huge iron gates hang on the stonework. Dew clings with cold tenacity to the rusted bars. Two headless statues of armed guardians flank the gate, their heads now lying among the weeds at their feet. They greet you only with silence. Creepy. Hardly. All right, I'm going to try and pull the doors open. You realize how big these doors are, right? There's no way in hell you're getting them open. I'm still going to go for it. I'm strong as fuck, boy. All right, well, good luck with that. Going to need a strength check from you. If I think the roll is good enough, I'll give you some bardic inspiration, Donald. Okay, let's do this. Seven. Yeah, I'm not touching that. Like I said, no way in hell. At least I tried. You idiots wouldn't have done anything. If I can't open these doors, they're not opening. As you finish that sentence, the gates swing open with enough force to knock you clear off to the side of the road on your ass. The gate screeches as the hinges move. Damn it, those gates are rigged. Here we go with that shit again. Ah, uh, fuck off, Joe. Well, let's get going before the doors close. As you make your way through the gates, they slowly start to close behind you as you continue down the road. How can you see something like those self-opening and closing gates and not think something weird is going on with this place? They're self-opening doors, Joe. I know you're old as shit, but that isn't exactly new technology, especially in a world where magic is a thing. I don't trust any door that opens by itself. The big bad door's gonna get you, Joe. I assume you guys return to your previous positions? Yep. Yeah, I'm not staying on the road. All right, as you travel, George, you catch the scent of death in the air. Oh, shit. All right, I'm gonna see if I can find the source of it as we walk. The stench leads you over to Joe's side of the road. As you get closer, the stench gets even worse. You notice something in the underbrush right in front of Joe. Joe, stop. Before Joe can even react, he stumbles over the underbrush and lands directly on top of what appears to be a half-buried corpse. Oh, God, that smell. I roll off to the side and stand back up. Someone better get Joe a little girl's hair to sniff to recover. Not funny, Donald. I'm laughing, and that's all that matters to me. I'm going to roll the body out from the underbrush. It appears to be the corpse of a young man, just a commoner from the looks of him. His muddy clothes are torn and raked with claw marks. The area around the body is also covered in paw prints. You can clearly see that crows have been picking at the body as well. He has obviously been dead for several days. You notice a crumpled envelope in one of his hands. It looks like this guy was killed by wolves or something. I reach down and pull the envelope from his hand. You take a second to pry the envelope from the hand of the corpse. Rigor mortis has fully set in, making his grasp tight. I'll read it for us. You all like hearing my voice, right? I'd rather hear Bill screw up playing his saxophone again than hear your voice. Too bad. I smack Joe in the back of the head. Hail thee of might and valor. I, the burgomaster of Barovia, send you honor with despair. Hmm, sounds a little familiar. My adopted daughter, the fair Irina Kolyana, has been these past nights bitten by a vampire. The fuck? That doesn't add up. For over 400 years, this creature has drained the lifeblood of my people. Now my dear Irina languishes and dies from an unholy wound caused by this vile beast. He has become too powerful to conquer. So I say to you, give us up for dead and encircle this land with the symbols of good. Let holy men call upon their power that the devil may be contained within the walls of weeping Barovia. Leave our sorrows to our graves and save the world from this evil fate of ours. 
There is much wealth entrapped in this community. Return for your reward after we are all departed for a better life. All right, well, one of these letters is clearly fake news. I fucking told you, Donald, this has trap written all over it. I'm getting the fuck out of here. I start running back toward the gates. Uh, I'm not sure if that's the best idea. As you're running like a coward back toward the gates, you notice something, something off. There are now at least five sets of rather large paw prints crossing the road that definitely weren't there a few moments ago. Oh, shit, that's not good. You can hear loud howl in the trees not far from you. Damn it, are you kidding me? All right, fine, I'll run back to the group. See what happens when you run from your protector? You die. The air calms and an eerie silence takes over. You can't shake the feeling that you're being watched. Before too long, you hear yet another howl. This time it sounds like more than one wolf, howling together. I'd really rather not have to deal with these wolves right now. Can we book it toward town? Yeah, I'm with George on this one. This does not sound like a good time. All right, let's go, you pansies. I'd have totally soloed them, but if you guys want to run, that's fine. As you travel along the road, you get the sense those particular wolves were only there to stop you from leaving. We might have to deal with them when we decide to leave then. Let's push forward for now. As you're traveling, you notice several gravestones along the side of the road. Nothing of major importance, but it does bring into question how they died. Probably poor souls who shared Joe's way of thinking and got mauled by wolves. Your ability to see all of this happening around us and not be scared baffles me, Donald. That's because I worship Torm, the god of courage and self-sacrifice. I couldn't live with myself if I let something like this get the best of me. I guess that's admirable. Who needs a god when you've got money to make? I hear that. Joe, you're in no position to chime in, cram it. All right, all right, you've had your fun. Moving on. The sky is growing darker by the hour. It only feels like midday, but the skies say otherwise. The hell is going on here? It was supposed to be five miles to Barovia. How is it this late already? As the sun sets past the horizon, darkness sets in and the fog slowly encroaches from either side of the road, stopping at the edges. I think I'm going to step back up into the road then and pull out my torch. Fine, I'll do the same. Oh, actually, I have a lantern. I'm going to use that. Look who's prepared now, Donald. What, do you want a cookie? The sound of snapping twigs draws your attention to several dark shapes in the fog. They carry torches and pitchforks. Drawn to the light you're now carrying, the shapes step out of the fog and onto the road. They're Barovian commoners. There are four of them. Oh, shit. Hey, guys. One of the commoners steps forward and asks you what you're doing out in the dark like this. Well, you see... We're headed to Barovia. Really, Donald? We got a letter from a corn pop and diddle bitch that something was wrong with some woman and he needed help. Sometimes I really don't know about you, Joe. The commoners look at each other, obviously very confused, as no one in Barovia goes by the name of Corn Pop and Diddlebitch. Sorry, guys, he's senile. He means Kolyan and Dirovich. Their looks of confusion quickly shift to worry, and without even saying a word, one of them shakes their heads, and they run off back into the fog. Okay, what the fuck was that? I'm actually starting to get a little spooked here. I'm not sounding so crazy after all, huh? No, you're still mad as a hatter. I'm just growing more uncomfortable. But I'm not wearing a hat. Joe, uh, just, no. We can't be too far from the village now. Let's just keep going. Yep, come on, guys. We're staying indoors tonight. I don't care where. Careful what you wish for, Donald. What's that supposed to mean? Nothing, nothing. After about 30 more minutes of travel, you can finally see the village in the distance. You finally made it. As you approach, you can see tall shapes loom out of the dense fog that surrounds everything. 
the muddy ground underfoot gives way to slick, wet cobblestones. The tall shapes become recognizable as village dwellings. The windows of each house stare out from pools of blackness. No sound cuts the silence except for mournful sobbing that echoes through the streets from a distance. I'm happy we finally made it, but geez, this village is a shit show. Are there any taverns nearby? Entering from the east side of the village, you don't see any buildings that even appear remotely active at this time of apparent night. All you can hear are moans of some poor soul. I'd rather not figure out where that sobbing is coming from just yet. Let's get somewhere safe and have a breather first. Yeah, yep, I like that idea. As you walk into the village, the fog thickens and shifts around you, creating a path as if it wants to lead you somewhere, almost as if it is alive. All right, Barack, we can see you're trying to lead us somewhere. We'll play along. Let's take the path then. The fog is so thick you can barely make out anything except for the vague shapes of the buildings around you. Just going to lighten the mood and play a little something. Whoa, Bill, you got to stop. Not only are you attracting unwanted attention, you're going to get us copyright stricken. I'm sorry, what? You're attracting unwanted attention. No, the other thing. Before you can answer, the fog clears up further in the road. A soft whimpering draws your eye toward a pair of children standing in the middle of an otherwise lifeless street. A boy is softly crying into a stuffed doll while what appears to be his sister is trying to console them. These poor kids, I'll step up and ask them what's wrong. After shushing the boy, the girl turns to you and says, There's a monster in our house. She then points to a tall brick row house that has seen better days. Its windows are dark. It has a gated portico on the ground floor and the rusty gate is slightly ajar. The houses on either side are abandoned, their windows and doors boarded up. Those poor kids, I step forward and... Nope, anyone but you. I got this. I kneel down and ask the girl what kind of monster is in the house. The little girl slowly shakes her head and stares downward at her feet. We don't know. All we know is that it has this terribly scary howl, she says. Hmm, I wonder if it's another wolf or something. I don't know. I kind of doubt it. Do you have an idea where the monster is in the house? The little girl nods her head and points toward the lower part of the house. It's in the basement. Okay, thank you, little girl. Is there anything else we should know before we head in there? Head in? You mean we're actually going to go in there? Of course we are. There are kids that need help here. I get that, Donald, but we're already on a bit of a mission here. It's dark out and we need a place to stay. Maybe after clearing this out, we could stay here for the night without having to spend any money. I don't know about staying the night, but I do think we should help these kids. Guys, shut up. I'm trying to listen here. The little girl moves her hand from the lower part of the house to the upper part of the house. On the third floor, I'm pretty sure there's crying coming from the nursery. I think there's a baby in there. We didn't have the time or courage to check it out. We had to get out. I don't blame you. I stand up and gesture toward the house. Come on, guys, let's check this out. You guys can go in. I'll wait at the front of the house with the kids and make sure nothing happens. Against all of my better judgment, fine. Just don't do anything stupid. All right, I walk up to the door of the house and try to open it. The door opens without any trouble. The squeal of the hinges echoes into the foyer as the door slowly swings open. We all step inside except for Sleepy Joe, who is too scared. I'm not scared. Someone has to watch the front door and alert you guys if something happens. You keep telling yourself that, Joe. As you all step inside and close the door, you're greeted with a bone-chilling howl from what you assume is the basement. 
With the 20-foot radius of George's torch, you can faintly see hanging on the south wall of the foyer, a shield emblazoned with a coat of arms flanked by framed portraits of stony-faced aristocrats. Mahogany frame double doors leading from the foyer to the main hall are set with panes of stained glass. Before you guys can do anything, Joe, while sitting on the steps of the front door, you see the thick fog start to push toward you, and you can no longer see the silhouettes of the houses on the other side of the street. The children who are standing at the fence line blankly stare at you as the fog pushes past and completely engulfs them. It slowly creeps closer and closer to you. Come the fuck on, Barack. All right, I open the door and step inside with them. Nice of you to join us. The fog is all the way up against the door now. We can't see anything. It swallowed the kids up, and they didn't seem to care at all. This is fucked. Well, guess we have no choice but to push forward and figure this out. Let's go. All right, guys, I've got the area set up and your minis placed on the board. They look just like us, nice. Yeah, I think that's the point. Shut up, Bill. They're the same as our profile pictures to prevent any possible confusion for the viewer. I say again, what? Forget about it. We're in the entryway, right? I'm going to step forward and kick open the doors. Keep behind me if you want to be safe, guys. Oh, yeah, let's get our torches out as well. Are you sure kicking the door is necessary? Maybe just open it like a normal person? Where's the fun in that? Hiya! I kick. All right, then. You kick the door in with such force the doors swing outward. The sound of the doors slamming into the walls echoes throughout the house momentarily before the silence greets you once again. About five feet from the door, sitting on the rug, you see a small rat. Through the light of your torch, you can see the shocked expression on the rat's face as if he nearly had a heart attack. An inch from him lies a small piece of cheese he was clearly enjoying before your rude entrance. Our first fight is a rat. If you say so, I pull... Hold the fuck on, Donald. It's just a little rat. Does he look like he wants to fight us, Barack? Honestly, no. It still appears to be in a bit of a shock, but is not showing any signs of aggression. In fact, while he keeps his eyes on you, you can see him trying to reach out and grab his little piece of cheese, his arm shaking as he gets it. He slowly holds the cheese outward facing you. It looks like he's trying to offer you the cheese so you don't kill him, Donald. It's a rat. I don't care about it. I'm still going to swing on it. Donald, if you touch Mr. Chips, I swear I'll kill you in your sleep. Mr. Chips, we've seen him for all of ten seconds and you've already named this rat? It's kind of adorable, honestly. I step forward and reach my hands out, gesturing for him to jump in my hands. The rat cooperates and hops into your hands, cheese still in tow. I'm going to keep him as a pet. He looks like he could use some company. Uh, all right, Joe. Mr. Chips is now your pet, I guess. Pathetic. Just let him have this, Donald. Whatever. I step back in front of Joe and check out the main room. A wide hall runs the width of the house with a black marble fireplace at one end and a sweeping red marble staircase at the other. Mounted on the wall above the fireplace is a longsword with a windmill cameo worked into the hilt. The wood-paneled walls are ornately sculpted with images of vines, flowers, nymphs, and satyrs. I'll follow in after Donald. Can I light the fireplace with my torch and give us a bit more light in here? Of course. You set your torch on the small pile of wood contained within the fireplace, and it slowly catches fire and lights the room. I'll follow behind them so we're all in the main room now. You're all in the main hall now with the room fully lit. I'll let you guys check out the field and decide what you want to do. All right, gang, I say we should sweep the house room by room and see what we can find. All right, gang. What is this, Scooby-Doo? Rut-row. If this is Scooby-Doo, that would make Joe scrappy, the one no one likes. 
Nah, he looks more like Old Man Smithers. Which one was that? The one from the live-action movie. Oh, God, that movie is such trash. I kind of like the first one. It's okay, Mr. Chips. They're always like this. Ignoring Joe talking to his rat, we need to get back on track. We can leave the Scooby-Doo talk for a tier list on a later video or something. Another video? All right, I'd like to search this room for any secrets or anything. All right, George, make a perception check for me. Natural 20. Nice. Upon closer inspection of the paneling, you see serpents and skulls inconspicuously woven into the wall designs. The decorative paneling follows the staircase as it circles upward to the second floor. Interesting. Curious about what we'll find up there. All right, what's behind this door in the middle of the room? Do you open the door? Yep, opening it. You open the door and to your complete shock you see- Oh shit! No, I'm kidding. It's just a small closet that has several black cloaks hanging from the hooks on the walls and a single top hat on the top shelf. That's it? Dibs on the top hat. You don't need a top hat. You're not my mom, Donald. I grabbed the top hat off the shelf and put it on. All right, looking dapper AF, fam. AF, fam. Mr. Chips likes it too. All right, let's check out this room on the left next to the stairs, opening the door. You open the door and through your torchlight, you can see that this oak paneled room looks like a hunter's den. Mounted above the fireplace is a stag's head and positioned around the outskirts of the room are three stuffed wolves. Two padded chairs draped in animal furs face the hearth. With an oak table between them supporting a cask of wine, two carved wooden goblets, a pipe rack, and a candelabrum. A chandelier hangs above a cloth-covered table surrounded by four chairs. Two cabinets stand against the walls. Oh, nice, another fireplace. I'm going to step in and light that one as well. Okay, you're excited about that for some reason? Same process as before. The room is now fully lit. Ooh, I'm going to go pour myself a glass of wine and sit next to the fire for a minute. All right, you take one of the goblets and turn the spigot knob on the cask and fill the goblet with wine. But to your surprise, the wine is way too bitter and leaves a horrible aftertaste. Man, that's lame. I'm going to go search the cabinets, starting with this one. You try to open the cabinet door, but find that it is locked shut. I'll bash it open. No, no, you won't, Donald. This is my time to shine. I pull out my thieves' tools and try to pick the lock. My first skill check of the game. All right, let's see a dexterity check, then. Not a sleight of hand check? No, sleight of hand isn't used for picking locks. It's used for concealing things or picking people's pockets and things like that. Oh, damn. All right, dexterity check it is. Uh, a five. First roll of the game and it sucked. Get wrecked, Joe. All of your rolls have been mediocre at best, Donald. You failed miserably at the wall earlier. Do you remember or do you just have selective memory? Hey, that was a huge-ass wall. I could only ever dream of getting a wall like that on our borders. Joe is failing at this little cabinet. There's a difference. Besides, even when I fail, I do it with style. Nobody can fail like I do. You want to say that again? I said nobody can. Damn it, fuck off. And you want to be the face of the party over me? Whatever, I don't really care. I can't get into that cabinet, so what? I'll go check the north cabinet. This cabinet is unlocked, actually. You open it and find a small deck of playing cards and an assortment of wine glasses. Ooh, playing cards. I'll take those. What are you going to do with those? I've already got a top hat. With my sleight of hand, I could be a magician. I've always wanted to be one of those. I mean, you kind of already are. Remember the election and all those votes? Now you see him, now you don't. You really can't take a loss, can you, Donald? 
Not one where I... Seriously, shut up about that. We're here together to forget all of that and just enjoy some Dungeons and Dragons. Come on, guys. Seriously, go ten minutes without that shit, please. If that's everything in here, I'm gonna step back out into the hall and check this other room. Yeah, I'll go with him. You want to be in my magic show, Mr. Chips? Of course you do. I'm just going to assume you all make your way together. Yep. Yeah, yeah. You open the door and have found the kitchen. It is tidy, with dishware, cookware, and utensils neatly placed on shelves. A work table has a cutting board and rolling pin atop it. A stone, dome-shaped oven stands near the east wall, its bent iron stovepipe connecting to a hole in the ceiling. Behind the stove and to the left is a thin door leading to a well-stocked pantry. Hell yeah, food. I'm going to raid the pantry for some munchies. You find all manner of random snacks and goodies, but again, much like the wine, it is no good. To the naked eye, it appears fresh, but as you chew it, you notice a very distinct lack of flavor. It is all extremely bland. Damn it, I cannot get a win here. Is this where you found the cheese, Mr. Chips? Mr. Chips looks up at you and shrugs his shoulders. This is the most fucking adorable rat I've ever laid eyes on. It's a rat. I don't think you'll find adorable on its description in the rule book. Like I give a shit. Anyways. Behind a small door in the southwest corner of the kitchen is a dumbwaiter, a two-foot-wide stone shaft containing a wooden elevator box attached to a simple rope and pulley mechanism that must be operated manually. What do we do with this thing? You don't have to do anything with it. I'm just letting you know it's there. Right. Other than that, there isn't much else to this room. Next room, opening the door. Okay, then. The door swings open and you walk into the dining room. The centerpiece of this wood-paneled dining room is a carved mahogany table surrounded by eight high-backed chairs with sculpted armrests and cushioned seats. A crystal chandelier hangs above the table, which is covered with resplendent silverware and crystalware polished to a dazzling shine. Mounted above the marble fireplace is a mahogany-framed painting of an alpine veil. The wall paneling is carved with elegant images of deer among the trees. Red silk drapes cover the windows, and a tapestry depicting hunting dogs and horse-mounted aristocrats chasing after a wolf hangs from an iron rod bolted to the south wall. Silver and crystalware, huh? Might be able to take that and sell it for a bit. I'll toss what I can of it into my bag. The lawful good paladin is going to steal the silverware from this house. Now that I think about it, you're going to let them take the stuff they have thus far, too? That doesn't sound very lawful good of you. If this were a normal person's house, sure, you'd be right. But based on the shit we've just gone through, something tells me this isn't a normal house where those kids were just casually here by themselves with a baby. And in this kind of town? I guess I can understand that. All right, is that all for this room? Yeah, probably. We ready to move upstairs? Why upstairs? Isn't the monster in the basement? Do you see a way down to the basement here yet? No. So we go up for now. All right, up we go then. You walk up the spiral staircase and arrive at the upper hall. Unlit oil lamps are mounted on the walls of this elegant hall. Hanging above the mantelpiece of the fireplace is a wood-framed portrait of a family. The description at the bottom reads, Durst Family. The painting depicts two parents with their two smiling children. Cradled in the father's arms is a swaddled baby, which the mother regards with a hint of scorn. Standing suits of armor flank wooden doors in the east and west walls. Each suit of armor clutches a spear and has a visored helm shaped like a wolf's head. The doors are carved with what looks like dancing youths. 
The red marble staircase that started on the first floor continues upward. A cold draft can be felt coming down the steps. All right, I'll light this fireplace and get things lit AF in here. Know what I'm saying? What? Okay, Boomer. Did you have a stroke or something, Bill? He's not even a Boomer. Now you guys just don't understand the lingo of the kids these days. I'm trying to be hip. Why? Are you frequently in settings with kids where you need to impress them or something? I, no, not at all. I just want to be cool. Who in this group would be impressed by that? All right, shut up. Let's get back to the game. All right, weirdo, what do you do? You mentioned the doors having carvings. I wonder if it's like the paneling downstairs. I'm going to take a closer look at it. All right, George, give me another perception check. 19. Upon closer inspection of the door, you realize that the kids aren't actually dancing but fighting off swarms of bats. I see. Not sure what to do with that information, but I'll remember it. Do you know what that means, Mr. Chips? Why are you talking to that rat so much? He needs friends. He's in this house probably by himself with weird spooky shit going on all the time. How do you know he isn't also one of the spooky things going on? Mr. Chips wouldn't do me like that. Whatever, I'm going to open the door closest to the stairs. All right, the door creaks open and your torchlight fills the small room. It would appear to be the servant's room. It's an undecorated bedroom that contains a pair of beds with straw-stuffed mattresses. At the foot of each bed is a footlocker. Tidy servants' uniforms hang from hooks in the adjoining closet. A dumbwaiter in the corner of the west wall has a button on the wall next to it. Well, we found one of the dumbwaiter locations. I'm going to check the footlockers. They are both unlocked and sadly both empty. Well, that room sucked. Mr. Chips and I are going to check the room to the left. You open the door and step inside the room. Gossamer drapes cover the windows of this elegantly appointed hall, which has a brass-plated chandelier hanging from the ceiling. Upholstered chairs line the walls, and stained-glass wall hangings depict beautiful men, women, and children singing and playing instruments. A harpsichord with a bench rests in the northwest corner. Near the fireplace is a large standing harp. Alabaster figurines of well-dressed dancers adorn the mantelpiece. All right, I'm going to go slide the drapes aside and see if I can get a look outside above the fog. Just going to give the fireplace a little light while you do that. You slide the drapes to the side. The fog is still completely covering the house, and you can't see a thing through the windows. Yeah, this house is fucking haunted. Except you, Mr. Chips, you're cool. All right, George and I will check this other room. You guys have found the library of the house. Red velvet drapes cover the windows of this room. An exquisite mahogany desk and a matching high-back chair face the entrance in the fireplace, above which hangs a framed picture of a windmill perched atop a rocky crag. Situated in corners of the room are two overstuffed chairs. Floor-to-ceiling bookshelves line the south wall. A rolling wooden ladder allows one to more easily reach the high shelves. Okay, there's got to be some good stuff here. There always is. What do your elf eyes see, George? Uh, I'm a human. Yeah, I know. Just go with the meme. Anyways, yeah, I'm going to go check out all the bookshelves and see if I can find anything good. But first, I'll light the fireplace in here, too. All right, I'll go check out the desk then. The desk has several items resting atop it. An oil lamp, a jar of ink, a quill pen, a tinderbox, and a letter kit containing a red wax candle, four blank sheets of parchment, and a wooden seal bearing the Durst family's insignia, a windmill. It has a single drawer. I don't really care about the things on top of it, but I'll open the drawer. You slide the drawer open and find a single iron key sitting squarely in the center. Ooh, this could be useful. I'll pocket that. 
All right, I'll go check out what's on the shelves. The bookshelves hold hundreds of tomes covering a range of topics, including history, warfare, and alchemy. There are also several shelves containing first edition collected works of poetry and fiction. Make a perception check for me. All righty. Seven. Apart from the books I've already mentioned, you don't notice anything out of the ordinary here. Hmm, all right. You rolled a seven and think there's nothing over there? Come on now, George, you're smarter than that. I'm going to go over and double-check George's work. All right, make a roll. Hell yeah, 17. Donald really seems to be good at getting high rolls with no bonuses. The dice love me. Mr. Chip says tell that to your strength roll. Anyways, Donald, a particular book on one of the shelves grabs your attention. It's a red-covered book with a blank spine. Is it the only book with nothing on the spine? That is correct. Geez, George, all that perception and you couldn't notice that? I was too busy with your mom. What is this, fifth grade? Terrible comeback aside, I reach forward and grab the book. As you pull the book out, it tilts back on its corner and a secret passage is revealed. All right, cool. I'll head in then. As you let go of the book to go in, the book falls back into place and the door closes back up. Ah, one of those, I guess. Get in here, guys. Someone hold this door open for me. Mr. Chip said he'll do it. If you can get that rat to hold that book in place, then go for it. I don't care. Go on, Mr. Chips. Show him how it's done. Uh, Mr. Chips hops off of Joe's shoulder and with his little paws pulls the book outward and the door slides back open. All right, Rat, keep it open for me. I'm headed in. This secret room contains bookshelves packed with tomes describing fiend summoning rituals and the necromantic rituals of a cult called the Priests of Ossibus. A heavy wooden chest with clawed iron feet stands against the south wall, its lid half-closed. Sticking out of the chest is a skeleton in leather armor. Close inspection reveals that the skeleton belongs to a human who triggered a poison dart trap. Three darts are stuck in the dead adventurer's armor and ribcage. Clutched in the skeleton's left hand is a letter bearing the seal of Strahd von Zarovich, which the adventurer tried to remove from the chest. Oh shit, that looks dangerous. I'm going to try and use my polearm and open the chest the rest of the way with the end of it. All right, the chest opens and nothing happens. The dart firing mechanism inside the chest no longer functions. Phew, all right, what do we have inside the chest? As you're looting the chest, Mr. Chips lets go of the book. He clearly doesn't like you. Damn it, that rat is going to get it. But first, the sweet loot. The chest contains three blank books with black leather covers, three spell scrolls, bless, protection from poison and spiritual weapon, the deed to the house, the deed to a windmill, and a signed will. Nice. I'll snatch it all up and go back to the doorway. Open the door, asshats. It was funny, but we've got to keep going. I'll open the door back up. Thanks, George. All right, got some cool stuff, but there's a letter here. Let's check it out. All right, you open the letter, and written in flowing script, the letter reads as follows. My most pathetic servant. I am not a messiah sent to you by the dark powers of this land. I have not come to lead you on a path to immortality. However many souls you have bled on your hidden altar, however many visitors you have tortured in your dungeon, know that you are not the ones who brought me to this beautiful land. You are but worms writhing in my earth. You say that you are cursed, your fortune spent. You abandoned love for madness, took solace in the bosom of another woman, and sired a stillborn son. Cursed by darkness? Of that I have no doubt. Save you from your wretchedness? I think not. I much prefer you as you are, your dread lord and master Strad von Zarevich. Damn, this dude's an asshole. Yeah, but more importantly, he mentions a dungeon. I wonder if he means here. 
Possibly. Let's keep moving for now, and if it's here, we'll find it. All right, next floor we go. Lead the way, Mr. Chips. All right, guys, you've climbed the stairs to the top and made it to the third floor. Okay, those kids said there was supposedly a baby on this floor. Let's keep a lookout. Somehow I feel like we were lied to, but I'll keep a lookout, I guess. Yeah, I get the feeling we won't be staying the night here either. Someone get Eddie Murphy on the phone. He's dealt with this haunted mansion shit before. That was a movie, Joe. That didn't actually happen. I don't know. It looked real enough to me. Mr. Chips agrees. He's a big Eddie Murphy fan. The rat you found inside of our campaign is an Eddie Murphy fan? Yeah, he loves men in black. That was Will Smith. Joe, how senile are you? His cognitive abilities are declining with every breath. We need to finish this campaign before he fully loses grasp of reality. All right, you've climbed the red marble staircase to its full height and come to a dusty balcony with a suit of black plate armor standing against one wall, draped in cobwebs. Oil lamps are mounted on the oak-paneled walls, which are carved with woodland scenes of trees, falling leaves, and tiny critters. There are doors on the west and north walls, and a short hallway to the east leading to a set of double doors on the east wall and a single door on the west wall. All right, let's get these oil lamps lit and we'll go from there. I step forward to light the lamps. Okay, as you reach forward to light the lamps, the suit of armor suddenly lunges forward and attempts to slam into you, Donald. It misses. Holy shit, that was close. It's not over yet. He makes a second attempt to slam into you and misses again. It attacks twice. Jeez. All right, that was its surprise round. Everyone roll initiative. Eight. Twenty. Twenty-two. Fourteen. Okay, it looks like Joe will be going first. What are you doing, Joe? Uh, I'm going to pull out my rapier and move to the left of him here and swing on him with my rapier. Okay, make an attack roll for me. Just don't die before everyone has a chance to do something, Joe. Mr. Chips will keep me safe. Sixteen. That's a miss. George, you're next. All right, dropping my torch and firing on him with my longbow. Go for it. Ten. Also a miss. Okay, Bill. Damn, I should have used Inspiring Leader here already. Oh, well. I'm going to go on the other side of the armor and try and attack with my rapier as well. Roll it. That'd be a twenty. It hits. Roll for damage. Eight. All righty. Now the armor is going again. He's making another slam attack at you, Donald. Bring it on. That's a miss. Once more. That one's definitely a hit. He does five damage, Donald. Tis but a scratch. Your move, Donald. Okay, for my attack action, I'm going to drop my torch and swing on him with my glaive. Okay. Uh, That'd be a 21. It hits. Roll for damage. Nine damage. Okay, back to... Nope, not done yet. I have the polearm master feet, so when I attack with my glaive, I can use a bonus action to make another melee attack with the other side of it. You get two attacks while we all only get one? Weak. I chose to take that feat, Joe. I don't know what you want from me. Oh, shit, 23. I'm such a badass. Okay, then. Roll damage. Four more. Dang, Donald. Save some damage for the rest of us. Okay, top of the round, Joe. You're up. Okay, I'm going to make another attack on him with my rapier. Okay, you've got Bill on the other side of him, so you'll get to roll with advantage and use a sneak attack as well. What was that about only me making two attack rolls in a turn, Joe? I completely forgot I could even do that. Come on, man. Isn't that, like, one of the main features of the rogue? You forgot it? Shut up. 
it isn't even a second attack. He just gets bonus damage if he hits. So no, not quite the same. 20 and 14. Okay, you hit. Nice. Man, only 11 damage. Only? You just max rolled, you idiot. Oh, hell yeah. I'm OP. Hardly. Make your sneak attack damage roll. Oh, yeah. Four damage. Okay, wow. The suit of armor suddenly collapses to the ground with Joe's last attack. It's dead? It would seem that way. I was too much for it. Sorry to burst your bubble there, Donald, but if you tally up the damage, Joe did most of it. Nice work, Joe. I had good luck on my rolls because of Mr. Chips. Fine, I'll concede that he did more damage. But had it not been focusing on me, your tank, with the higher AC, it would have ripped you guys apart. Anyways, not going to lie, I fully expected one of you to get demolished here, namely you, Joe. Either way, congrats. The armor has collapsed and is no longer a threat. What do I win? You get to keep living. Let's light these lamps and get going. Actually, before we do anything else, I'm going to use Inspiring Leader to give us all four temporary HP. Nice. All right. Lighting the lamps. Well, I've been looking around every hall so far. Might as well continue that trend. Okay, you know what to do, George. Six. Look, man, you're giving Rangers a bad name here. Gonna have to double-check your work again. Can't really help it, man. Roll it, Donald. Fourteen. What do I see that he didn't? Uh, you notice tiny corpses hanging from the trees and worms bursting up from the ground on the paneling of the walls. That's it? Yeah, Donald, that's it. Okay, then. I'm going to go open this door on the west side. You open the door and see dust and cobwebs shroud an elegantly appointed bedroom and an adjoining nursery. Double doors set with panes of stained glass pull open to reveal a balcony overlooking the front of the house. The bedroom contains a large bed, two end tables, and an empty wardrobe. Mounted on the wall next to the wardrobe is a full-length mirror with an ornate wooden frame carved to look like ivy and berries. Just as you go to step through the door, out of thin air, a specter that resembles a terrified, skeletally thin young woman charges toward you. Nah, bitch. She just activated my trap card. I've got a glaive, boy. As soon as she enters my reach, she provokes an attack of opportunity. All right, let's see what you can do. 19 to hit. Okay, that hits. Damage time. Oh yeah, that's 11. Okay then. You damage the specter, but it looks as if it wasn't as affected by it as you'd have hoped. The specter, now in your range, makes a melee spell attack against you. Okay, wow, she rolled a 1. She misses horribly and somehow slips on her attack, doing a loop-de-loop in the air. The fuck did I just witness? I thought we were in a haunted mansion, not scary movie too. Some good memory around here. She rolled a one. That's just what happens. Okay, the surprise round is over. I'm just going to keep your initiatives and roll a new one for her. Oh, and keep my shitty roll? You just got a great attack off on her. Let the other guys have a turn. All right, Joe, your go. All right, I'm going to try and get through and attack her from behind. Get that sweet, sweet sneak attack damage. Okay, roll it. Natural 20. Nice, Joe. Roll that double damage. Uh, Six. Weakest crit ever. Technically, it could have been a little weaker, but yeah, not good. Oof, sorry, Joe. Mr. Chips, where were you on that one? You still have sneak attack damage to roll, Joe. Oh, yeah. Another six. At least you got max roll on that. George, your go. All right, gonna fire at it. 17 to hit. Hits. Damage roll. 
Eight damage. Okay, Bill, your turn. Okay, gonna run in and get next to Joe and swing with my rapier, too. All right, roll it. 18. And nine damage. Okay, Donald, your go. Really? Wow. Yeah, she's not rolling so well. Okay, time for you to die, Spectre. 14. Hits. Four damage. Wow. Hell yeah, I knew I'd kill it. No, you didn't kill it. You let it get to one HP. Oh, fuck off. She's going to do another attack on you now, Donald. 15. Swing and a miss. Man, I'm having some bad rolls right now. All right, Joe, you're up again. Okay, swinging at him. Her. Who? Just roll, Joe. Remember, you have advantage. I don't think you used it last time. Not that it matters. Oh, yeah, I got a 17 and 7. All right, roll for damage. Four damage. As you jab your rapier into the back of the specter, it instantly dissipates into nothingness. That's twice now you've stolen my glory, Joe. Yeah, I seem to be good at doing that. High five, Mr. Chips. Actually, what's funny is I just realized you forgot to use your bonus attack with your glaive, Donald. You could have totally killed her. Oh, son of a bitch, you're right. All right, with the room clear, you're welcome to explore. All right, I'm going to check out the bedside tables and under the bed. You don't notice anything on the bedside tables or under the bed. However, you do notice that the corner of a book seems to be peeking out between the mattresses. Oh, what have we here? You've stumbled onto the diary of the family's nursemaid. Oh, interesting. What's in it? The diary details the events of an affair that she had with the master of the house, Gustav Durst, which led to the birth of a stillborn baby named Walter. There is a section where she was clearly writing about her feelings about the whole situation and how it has affected the missus, Elizabeth Durst. There is a pen mark that slides across the paper that would seem to indicate that she was ripped away from the diary while writing. Oh, damn. How much you want to bet that specter we just took out was her? Seems pretty likely. I bet that baby in the picture was this stillborn. Would explain why the mother didn't look so happy about it. And even further than that, the supposed crying baby those kids were talking about is probably this stillborn, and it's yet another spooky thing to add to our list. That sound right to you, Mr. Chips? Mr. Chips shrugs his shoulders. It's a rat, Joe. I don't know what you want from it. I'm going to check out this door here. You open the door and find the nursery. It contains a crib covered with a hanging black shroud. I'm probably going to regret this, but I'm going to open the shroud. You part the shroud and see a tightly wrapped, baby-sized bundle lying in the crib. Oh, damn it. All right, going to unwrap it. You sure about that? We got to find out if there's actually a baby in here. All right, you... Ah, damn it! Really, Bill? Boo? Wow, I can't believe that worked. So much for all that courage, eh, Donald? Courage is being scared, but still moving on through it, dipshit. So by being so courageous all the time, are you saying you're always scared? I'm opening the bundle. You unwrap the blanket and find nothing inside it. Okay then, lie detector test determined. That too was a lie. Other than that, the room is rather empty. All right, let's get to the other side of the house. Hold on, let's check this room first. I'll open this door. Dusty shelves line the walls of this room. A few of the shelves have folded sheets, blankets, and old bars of soap on them. A cobweb-covered broom leans against the far wall. Here, Joe, you can have this broom. You've been good at cleaning up the kills. Maybe you should have the... As you grab onto the broom, I'm going to need you to make a strength check, Bill. What? You heard me. Uh, all right, ten. 
Okay, yeah, as soon as you grab onto the broom, it slips out of your grasp and makes a melee attack against you with advantage. What in the Fantasia is going on here? You're getting beaten by a broom. Yeah, this broom just crit you, Bill. You're shitting me. Nope, it deals seven damage to you. For fuck's sake, if I didn't have that temporary HP, I'd be nearly dead right now. It isn't over yet. It gets to make another attack against you. Yep, that hits too. Four more damage. Holy shit, dude, don't kill me. Yeah, you could die here. All for a joke. Still gonna keep the initiative rolls for the area, so Joe, you can go now. I'll save you, Bill, even though you were being an asshole. Remember, he's backed into a wall, so there's no real way for you to get sneak attack damage off right now. Dang, oh well. I'm gonna move on to the same space as Bill and just make a regular attack then. All right, just know you're gonna have to move afterward. You can't end your turn in the same space. Gotcha, that's fine. 18. That hits. 8 damage. Okay, and now you gotta move out. All right, I'll move here. All right, your go, George. All right, firing in. 23 to hit. Okay. 10 damage. All right, with that, the broom bursts into splinters and bristles. I just nearly died to a fucking broom. I would have thought you've had more experience with this, getting beaten by a broom by Hillary. A broom is the least of my worries with her. Uh, all right then, moving on. I'm going to use Lay on Hands and Heal Bill for 5 HP. Thanks, Donald. Don't mention it. Let's go to the other hallway. I'm going to open the door on the left here. This dark room contains a wooden tub with clawed feet, a small iron stove with a kettle resting atop it, and a barrel under a spigot in the east wall. A cistern on the roof used to collect rainwater, which was borne down a pipe to the spigot. However, the plumbing no longer works. Okay, found the bathroom if anyone wants to use that in lieu of pissing themselves. There isn't really a toilet in that room. Just piss in the tub. Who cares at this point? You would be a shower pisser. It's all going down the same drain. Best places to piss tier list. When? Yeah, that's not happening, Joe. Just get that out of your head right now. Someone else opened this door. I don't want to get attacked again. One little broom and Bill's already scared. Let's see how you'd feel nearly dying to a broom. I wouldn't get myself into a situation like that. I'll open the door. The double doors to this room have dusty panes of stained glass set into them. Designs in the glass resemble windmills. The dusty, cobweb-filled master bedroom has burgundy drapes covering the windows. Furnishings include a four-poster bed with embroidered curtains and tattered gossamer veils, a matching pair of empty wardrobes, a vanity with a wood-framed mirror and jewelry box, and a padded chair. A rotting tiger-skin rug lies on the floor in front of the fireplace, which has a dust-covered portrait of Gustav and Elizabeth Durst hanging above it. A web-filled parlor in the southwest corner contains a table and two chairs. Resting on the dusty tablecloth is an empty porcelain bowl and a matching jug. Ooh, finders keepers, I'm going to go open up that jewelry box. The jewelry box on the vanity is made of silver with gold filigree. It contains three gold rings and a thin platinum necklace with a topaz pendant. Score! I'll just put that whole box in my bag. Had you not been a pansy, maybe this sweet loot would be yours, Bill. As if we're not all going to share it anyways. Share? You think we're sharing this shit? I mean, he does have a point. We would all be better off splitting the loot anyways. The way of the loot ninja is a perilous one. I vote that we share it. We'll deal with that later. Let's just keep going for now. I agree, but we've seen this whole floor and haven't found any way to get to the basement yet. What gives? Just as you say that, you hear what sounds like the muffled sound of a baby crying coming from around the nursemaid's room. What the fuck? 
There definitely wasn't a baby in that room. Let's go. I'll assume you all follow Donald. You make it back into the room and the crying stops. Okay, that's weird and scary as shit. I pet Mr. Chips. It'll be okay, buddy. Okay, clearly there's something we need to find here. George, you should see if you can find anything in this room. I'll give you bardic inspiration here. Good idea. All right, I'm going to inspect the room. All right, go for it. Eleven. All right, I'll give him inspiration. Okay, got a four, so 15 total. All right, perfect. That's exactly what you needed. After a quick inspection, you notice what looks like a secret door behind the mirror. It pushes open easily to reveal a cobweb-filled wooden staircase leading up to the attic. We found our way up, guys. Hey, let's get going. All right, you all begin making your way up to the attic. All right, boys, onward and upward. This house has been a cakewalk so far. I don't see why this floor should be any different. Speak for yourself, Donald. With the exception of you, Bill. We'll just sweep that one under the rug. Oh, ha, ha. I don't get it. So you guys climb to the top of the stairs and open the door, right? Of course, I'm leading the way. The door creaks as it slowly opens. You step through the doorway and your torchlight reveals everything in the room, which is nothing. This barren room is choked with dust and cobwebs. There's a single door on the west end of the room and three more doors on the east end. Two at the end of a short hall and one just before it. I say we start with the west room and work our way around. Sounds good to me. I'm probably going to try and stay back as much as I can for now. All right, let's go check that room then. Okay, you make your way to the western room and open the door. This dust-choked room contains a slender bed, a nightstand, a small iron stove, a writing desk with a stool, an empty wardrobe, and a rocking chair. A smiling doll in a lacy yellow dress sits in the northern window box, cobwebs draping it like a wedding veil. Anything in the desk or nightstand? Afraid not. What are we supposed to do with afraid not? No, I said... String together a series of puns? I'm at the end of my rope here with you both. Are we really doing this right now? I'm stepping out of the room. Yeah, I'll follow behind. Donald and Joe, what about you? You roping me in with them? All right, lay off it, Donald. All right, all right, let's go, Joe. Hey, that's a good one, Mr. Chips. He joined in on the puns. No, he didn't. Come on. Okay. Where to now? Let's check out this door right here. The knob of the door doesn't budge. It would appear to be locked. Oh, I got this. I'll hold it, Joe, before you fuck up the door. I'm going to try that key I found. Oh, but I want to try picking again. You get another chance sometime. The key fits perfectly, and as you twist it, the knob gives in and turns. This room contains a bricked-up window flanked by two dusty, wood-framed beds sized for children. Closer to the door is a toy chest with windmills painted on its sides and a dollhouse that's a perfect replica of the dreary edifice in which you stand. These furnishings are draped in cobwebs. Lying in the middle of the floor are two small skeletons wearing tattered but familiar clothing. The smaller of the two cradles a stuffed doll that you also recognize. Oh, geez. Wow, well, that explains a lot. That is unfortunate. Man, who just leaves bones in their room like that? Mr. Chips looks at you, Joe, in face palms. Joe, are you kidding me? These are the skeletons of those kids we met outside. But then how were they out there? We just saw them. They were clearly ghosts or something. I can't believe how spot on I was for starting to play the Ghostbusters theme earlier. It's almost as if... Wait, you said there was a toy chest in here? Who cares about the kids? We got toys. I'm going to see what they've got. Uh, all right, pretty harsh, Joe, but okay. The toy chest contains an assortment of stuffed animals and toys, but nothing that immediately grabs your attention. 
Man, they didn't have shit. I'm sorry you think that. At the time for us, we'd like to think we had a lot. Whoa, what the hell? In the center of the room, the ghosts of Rose and Thorn appear, standing over their own skeletons. We would appreciate it if you would stop playing with our toys, the twins say together. Joe, back off their toys. So the question needs to be asked, why did you lie to us outside? We can't really help it. It wasn't us. It was the house making illusions of us. It just sort of comes with the territory. I see what you did there. Okay, tell us this. How did you die? Our parents locked us in the attic to protect us from the monster in the basement. I think something might have happened to them or they forgot about us. We went without food or water until we couldn't bear it anymore, Rose says. You poor kids, so sorry you had to deal with that. Thorn, hugging his doll, lets out a tear and turns away. I'm sorry he's never gotten over it. Both you and the illusions of you mentioned a monster in the basement. We came into this house to try and deal with it, but haven't found any way to get there yet. Could you tell us how to get there? Good call, Bill. Rose points to the dollhouse in the corner of the room. Genius. They hid the entrance to the basement inside the dollhouse. Mr. Chips, you could get in there and deal with the monster. Once again, Mr. Chips is glaring at you with sheer disappointment. I'm starting to like this rat. No. That dollhouse is a model of our house. You can see the entrance to the basement inside there. Oh yeah, I can actually see it on the dollhouse. It looks like we're pretty close to it. Oh nice, well let's get to it and deal with that monster. I'm going to head back out into the hall. Before you exit the room, you're stopped by the sharp scream of Rose. No! You can't leave us. We don't want to be abandoned again. Hey, I get it, but we've got to deal with this thing. I'm going. As you step outside the door, the ghost of Rose sweeps through the air and directly into Donald. Uh, okay, what was the point of that? Okay, so as of now, you're currently possessed by the ghost of Rose. You will still get full control over your character, however you gain the flaw. I like being in charge and get angry when other people tell me what to do. Oh, so nothing new. You know, honestly, yeah, I get it. Nothing new. Really? I didn't expect that from you. Try not to dwell on it. Let's go. You're still going to try and leave? Yeah, we got work to do. All right, well, as you try to walk out, the ghost of Thorn follows suit and sweeps through the air and into Donald. Seriously? You're going to stick me with both of them? They don't like it when people leave them, and you're the only one leaving. The ghost of Thorn possesses you as well, and you gain the flaw I'm scared of everything, including my own shadow, and weep with despair when things don't go my way. Okay, this ought to be good. You've got to be shitting me. Well, they're both gone now. I guess I'll follow your lead as we make our way through the rest of the house, Donald. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we should just stick to this room for now? Sorry, Donald, but you've got to lead the way. You are our tank, after all. We need you to get through the rest of this. Please, for the love of God, don't make me do it. Oh, man, this is entertaining. Mr. Chips points at you, and it looks like he's giggling. Fuck off, Rat. I thought you were cool. This is not cool, guys. Why do you have to make me do it? Okay, this could actually get annoying really fast. I'm going to try and persuade Donald to lead the group and convince him that it was his idea all along. Oh, interesting. Not a bad idea, Bill. I guess try and roll a contested persuasion check to see which of you can persuade each other why Donald should or should not lead the party. All right, hopefully I can win it this time. Honestly, out of character, I hope you win too. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. 19. 20. You have got to be shitting me. I seriously don't get it. Bill's charisma is way better than Donald's. How are you doing this? I'm telling you, man, it's a blessing and a curse. I'm at a loss for words. This is simultaneously one of the saddest yet funniest things. What are you doing now? 
Well, if he can't be persuaded, can I at least try to intimidate him into doing it? Given the situation, I think it makes sense that you couldn't reason with cowardly Donald. But you could definitely make him more scared of you than going into the basement. I'll even give you advantage given his new flaw. But I'm probably just going to set my own DC for this one. Okay, cool. Fucking eight and seven. Honestly, I'm kind of loving this. You have the worst dice luck for some reason. Yeah, neither of those rolls will make him budge. Okay, now I know this is a long shot, but maybe I could talk some sense into Donald, you know, coward to coward. Bill, you could give me inspiration for that extra boost, too. I mean, sure, why not? Fine, I swear, though, if this works, I'm liable to flip this whole table. All right, Mr. Chips, give me some more good luck. Mr. Chips pats your shoulder. 18. All right, use your inspiration. Okay, 20. All right, here goes nothing. Okay, got a four. Son of a bitch, where was that roll when I did it? Okay, okay. From one coward to another, Joe manages to convince Donald that staying in this room and not help finish the house is a bad idea and would probably kill him. Reluctantly, Donald puts himself back together and is ready to continue on. All right, you forced my hand. Let's keep going. Torm, please forgive my momentary fear. Okay, let's check out the room on the right here. Come on, Donald. I'm coming. Just give me a sec. All right, this web-filled room contains a slender bed, a nightstand, a rocking chair, an empty wardrobe, and a small iron stove. Oh, another one of those rooms with nothing in it. Yeah, what gives with that? So many rooms with useless shit in them. What do you want me to do, put a new weapon for you in every room? Most normal houses don't keep valuable or cool shit in literally every room of their house. Every room I enter in my house has a weapon and valuable cool shit in it. Every room, I find that hard to believe. I'll reiterate. Every room that I enter in my house has a weapon and valuable and cool shit in it. I'm a weapon, I'm valuable, and I'm cool. Walked right into that one. Just going to ignore that one and move on. The room is empty. Get over it. All right, let's check the last door. Basement's got to be around here somewhere. This dusty chamber is packed with old furniture, all draped in dusty white sheets. There is an iron stove on the north wall. Just next to it is something being covered by another tattered white sheet, stained in several areas with what looks to be dried blood. Oh, geez, I don't like that. I'm just going to... Nope, no, you're not. Get up there. I'm pushing Donald back to the front. Please, no. This is the worst. Earlier, you would be making so much fun of current you. Earlier, me was an asshole. Please tell me that was recorded. Why would anything be recorded? Just pull the sheet so we can see what's under it. Fine, I'll rip the sheet off and step back. Okay, you pull the sheet and reveal a wooden trunk. Oh, thank God, it's just a chest. That means loot. I'm opening it. The trunk is unlocked and swings open easily. Inside are the skeletal... Ah, shit, nope. The skeletal remains of the family nursemaid. Also wrapped in a bloody bedsheet. It's already dead, Donald. Jeez. I'll poke around the chest and see if there's anything else of note. You don't see anything else in the chest, but if you could, make a medicine check for me. Oh, all right. 22. Upon closer inspection, you determine that this person was stabbed to death. She has multiple knife wounds. Well, I think it's safe to assume she was dragged away from her diary and then stabbed to death. Man, this house just sucks all around. I agree. Can we leave now? No, we aren't leaving. We need to find the basement. Make a perception check for me with advantage. Neat. 19 and 6. On the east wall to the left of the door, you notice something off about that particular wall. 
Something off? There must be an enemy behind it. I throw the chest at the wall. Okay, this is actually getting annoying. Uh, as the chest collides with the wall, it pushes it inward, and you see that the wall is actually like a revolving door. On the other side of the door is a narrow spiral staircase made of creaky wood. Thick cobwebs fill the shaft and reduce visibility in the staircase to five feet. That is way too small. What if I get claustrophobic? Shut up. You won't. One thing before you take the stairs. Congratulations for getting this far. You've all leveled up and hit level two. Hell yeah. Nice. You can view all of our updated character sheets in the description below. If you're curious to see what we can do now, that is. Is there something going on here that I am unaware of? What the hell are you talking about, Joe? Okay, are you guys headed to the basement now? I think it might be best for us to take a short rest first. You guys are hurt and the last thing we need is for you to get killed down there. Uh, yeah. Sounds like a good idea. Anything to delay going down those steps. We really gotta get those ghosts out of him. But yeah, okay, let's take a rest real quick. Mr. Chips is pooped. He agrees to take a short rest. Okay, it's a bit of a precarious place to take a rest. But with Mr. Chip's permission, you manage to get a short rest uninterrupted. Donald and Bill, you gonna spend any hit die to recover? Yeah, I'll give one a roll. Nice, got max roll, plus three con, that's a full heal. Got a three. Another shit roll, but at least it's still a full heal. Nice, you're both healed up and ready to go. We can still turn around, you know, we don't have Mr. to- Mr. Chip says, shut up and man up. Okay, I'm pretty sure that rat has nothing to say, and that's just you speaking through it. Nah, man, this is one smart rat. He also thinks that right now even he is more of a man than you. Shut up! Okay, are you guys ready to go down now? Yeah, let's get going. Yep, onward we go. You all step onto the stairway and make your way down into the basement. I assume Donald will lead the way? No, I think I'll take the back. Yeah, no. That is reserved for me currently. You're leading the pack here. Get going. Damn it, this is so uncomfortable. I'm going down slowly. All right, you make your way down the long spiral staircase. Where the staircase ends, a narrow tunnel stretches southward before branching east and west. From the moment you arrive in the basement, you can hear an eerie, incessant chant echoing throughout. It's impossible to gauge where the sound is coming from. Man, it's already bad enough for me. Now you gotta add this weird chanting to the mix? It's definitely creepy. The quicker we get through this, the quicker we get out. Come on. Where do we go? Back upstairs. No, I say we take this path to the east and go up. Lead the way, Donald. Fine, let's hurry up and get this over with. As you make your way down the hall and to the north, you find a stairway that leads to a wooden table and four chairs that stand at the east end of the room. To the west are four alcoves containing moldy straw pallets. It smells so bad down here. You're telling me. Is there anything on the table or on the pallets that is useful? The table lays bare and the pallets are just as empty. It looks as if this area hasn't been disturbed in centuries. Sounds about right. To the north is yet another staircase that leads further in. Of course there is. Well, let's go then. Down we go. Down the next set of stairs lies a slightly larger room with a well shaft in the center. A wooden bucket hangs from a rope and pulley mechanism bolted to the crossbeams above the well. There are five doorways around the room that lead to different quarters. Each contains a wood-framed bed with a moldy straw mattress and a wooden chest nearby. There you go, Donald. More chest means more loot. That make you feel better? Only a little bit. Let's just make our rounds across each room then, I guess. I think I'll just wait here by the well. Yeah, I'll just keep watch over here as well. Ha! Well said. Let's go, Joe. As you approach the chest, you spot a rusty iron padlock keeping the contents of the chest safe. Not for long. 
I'm going to pick the luck. All right, Joe, roll that dexterity check for me. Not sleight of hand? Joe, we've already been over this. Dexterity. All right, then. 18. After a moment of tinkering with the lock, you hear a faint click as the padlock unlocks. You finally did it, Joe. Was there ever any doubt? I mean, kind of. The chest swings open and reveals a pouch sitting squarely in the center. You can instantly tell that the pouch is made of human skin. Oh, that's disgusting. What's in it? After a quick tally, you count 11 GP and 60 SP. Not bad. I'll add that to my pouch. Whoa there. I'll add it to my pouch. I don't think so, Donald. I unlocked it. I should get it. Didn't we decide that we'd be sharing it all anyways? Who cares who has it for now? I never agreed to that. If you want any of our help at all, you'll agree to it. Otherwise, we'll just leave your scared ass here. Donald, you should just agree to it. Everyone else is okay with it. You're going to feel bad when they all find loot and share it amongst themselves and you don't get any of it. Yeah, but what about when I find something really cool? What about when they decide to just abandon you for being an asshole? Especially right now while you're scared and vulnerable. He makes a good point, Don. All right, fine, whatever, let's just go. Okay, good, got that out of the way. Go check the rest of the chests so we can move on. All right, I'll head over to this one now. Just like the last one, this chest too has a lock. They all do. Figures. I'll try and unlock this one too. Roll it. 14. Unlike the last chest, you just can't seem to get this lock to open up no matter what you do. Sounds like I might have to take over and break it open. You're allowed to if you have to. Just try and unlock all the chests you can, and the ones that you can't just bring out here, and we'll have Donald smash them open. Works for me. I'll take this chest out and start to wail on it. For the sake of time, I'm just going to assume you spend your time bashing the chest in until it breaks while Joe attempts to unlock the chests. No need to sit here and roll over and over until it happens. Just give me three more rolls, Joe. Okay, then. Four. Twenty-three. And eleven. Okay, you managed to unlock a single other chest here. Without knowing anything, pick one of the three left and decide which one you opened. Okay, I picked this one. The chest swings open and inside you find a black leather eye patch with a carnelian sewn into it. Oh, hell yeah. I'm about to become a pirate magician. I'm putting it on. Okay, then you carry the other chests out to the middle and Donald begins bashing them open one by one. To be fair, I'm going to make a roll for each chest and decide if you break the contents of the chest while bashing it open. You mean I could break something inside here? Yeah, you're hitting the chest pretty hard, Donald. Okay, yeah, while bashing the chest open, you manage to open one chest without damaging its contents. The item that survived is a silvered short sword. The other items are now three smashed moss agates and ivory hairbrush with silver bristles. Ah, come on, that's bogus. Sorry, Donald, that's what you get for smashing chests open. We'll worry about it later. Just grab the sword and let's go. All right, fine, I'll grab the sword. We ready to move forward? I am. Yep, let's go, Donald. Okay, which way are we going, west or south? I say we go south for this one. Yeah, I agree. I guess we're going south then. You head south and step through a doorway into what looks like a dining hall of some sort. This room contains a plain wooden table flanked by long benches. Moldy humanoid bones lie strewn on the dirt floor. In the middle of the south wall is a darkened alcove. Bones all over the place? Hmm. What the hell went on here? I don't know, but I don't like it one bit. Can we please just leave? How many times do I have to tell you no? 
we're seeing this through. I just don't get why. As you close into the alcove, Donald, a worm-like monstrosity slithers out and catches you by surprise. It's a grick. Ah! Oh, Jesus, that's heart attack bait. Your breath escapes your body as you scream bloody murder. You pansy. Donald's breath isn't the only thing that leaves him. The intense fear you've been feeling just melts away as the ghost of Thorn vacates your body. Terrified by the grick, Thorn sweeps away from Donald and attempts to enter the next closest body. That's you, George. Oh, you have got to be kidding me. Nope. Gonna need you to make a charisma saving throw if you want to resist the possession. Of course, it's one of my bad saves. All right, come on, no whammy. Wow. Zero. Woo, feels good to be back. Have fun with that one, George. The Ghost of Thorn enters your body with no resistance at all. Maybe it's just karma for having just called Donald a pansy. Whatever it was, I don't know. But I do know I gotta get the hell out of here. I'm gonna run east through this pathway and get the hell away. Really, George? All that talk and now you're the one running? Getting back to the problem at hand, Donald, you're being attacked by this Grick here. Come at me, bro. I feel like a million bucks. All right, the Grick is going to make an attack at you with its tentacles. That's a miss. You were the only one surprised by that, so the surprise round ends. Roll initiative, everyone, except the new pansy. I can't help it. I'm sorry. Maybe now you'll be a little more understanding. Anyways. 15. 18. 13. Okay, it looks like the Grick is going to get to go first here. Considering you're right in his way, he's going to make another swing at you with his tentacles, Donald. 21 to hit. Yep, that hits. You take 7 damage from his tentacle attack. Now because his tentacle attack hit, he can make another attack with his beak. 22 to hit. Uh, yeah, also a hit. 3 more damage. Ouch, that smarts. Alright, Joe, your move. This would be a lot nicer if we had everyone here, George, but I'm going to step over here and just stab him with my rapier. All right. 24 to hit. That is definitely a hit. Eight damage. With a swift flourish, you pierce the grick with the end of your rapier. It barely flinches from the attack. All right, Donald, your go. All right, this guy is going to get it. Swinging on him with the glaive. 24 to hit two. Okay. Nine damage, and you better believe I'm using Divine Smite on this asshole. Ooh, all right. Sounds good. Five more damage. Okay, with great force, you swing your glaive downward onto the Grick. And as the blade meets its skin, an explosion of radiant light emits from the impact point. It definitely felt that. I still have my bonus action to swing at it with the other end of my glaive, too. Oh, yeah, almost forgot. Fifteen to hit. That actually hits. Nice. Four more damage. All right, Bill, your turn. All right, I think I'm going to cast Dissonant Whispers on it. Oh, nice. Finally pulling out some spells there, Bill? Yeah, felt like the right time. He's got to make a DC 13 wisdom save, or he takes 3D6 psychic damage and must run away as far as he can. If he succeeds, he just takes half damage and doesn't have to run. Okay, let me roll that. Okay, yeah, even with his bonus, he still failed that roll. Roll for damage there, Bill. Hell yeah. Triple threes, that's nine damage. The Grick immediately starts writhing and squirming in pain. In its pain, it can't help but attempt to slither past Donald and try to make its way east toward where George ran off to. Oh, hell no. Would that not trigger an attack of opportunity for all of us? 
That it does, Donald. Roll it. Natural 20, baby, get ready to die. 15 damage. As the Grick attempts to slither by, with one fell stroke, Donald completely decapitates it. It now lays there, limp and lifeless. Damn straight. That's what you get for attacking me like that. Well done, guys. I'll slowly make my way back over to them. Yeah, no thanks to you, Pansy. Look, man, I didn't know how bad this ghost makes things. I'll at least try and be useful here and cast Goodberry. I've got ten berries here. Each of them heals an HP. That's what I'm talking about. Still being useful in your cowardice, thank you. I'll eat six of the berries. Okay, you heal back up to full HP with that. All right, back up to full, and I am rid of that ghost. Now I can properly lead the way again. Yep, you do that. I'm just going to stay back here. Let's go. We're headed west. That's what I'm talking about. Let's do this shit. Mr. Chips gives a thumbs up. Let's go. All right, as you head through the passageway, you can hear the chanting get noticeably louder. At the end of the passageway, you find yourself in the center of a four-way tunnel intersection. Which way should we Before you can even finish asking the question, hands begin to punch through the ground to the south and west. All right, an intersection is a bad place for a fight. Everyone back up just a bit here so they have to funnel through this pathway. You back up through the pathway and lose sight of the digging hands, but you can still hear whatever it is still digging its way out. As you brace yourselves for combat, the digging stops and there is a moment of silence. Then you hear loud shriek as the sound of footsteps gets closer and closer. As one of them turns the corner, you see you are now being hunted by a pack of ghouls who appear to be wearing some type of cultist garb, but you've no time to worry about that. Like before, I'm just going to keep your initiatives, but if you could roll yours for me, please, George. Right. 17. All right, you're smack dab in between Joe and Donald. Now for the ghouls. Okay, Joe, it's your go. Uh, All right, I'll just do what I do best and stab it. 10. That's a miss. It is your move now, George. Thank God I'm back here away from all that. I think I'm actually going to use my sharpshooter feet and take minus 5 to hit. But if it hits, I'll add 10 damage to the roll. Oh, taking some risks. I like that. I'm scared. I just want it dead as soon as possible. 17 minus the 5 is 12. Oh, wow. You just barely hit that. 20 damage total. You let loose your arrow, and it thwips past everyone and straight into the throat of the ghoul in front of Donald. It reels back and shrieks in pain. It really felt that hit. Wow, great shot, George. My turn now. I'm going to swing on this other ghoul with my main attack. 17 to hit and 4 damage. Now my bonus attack I'll use on the one in front of me. Oh, shit. One. Oof! As you try to switch to the butt end of your glaive, you accidentally lodge the blade into the side of the pathway, opening you up for an attack. The next ghoul that attacks you will get advantage. My turn? No, actually, the ghouls go before you. The ghoul right in front of you, Donald, is going to make a claw attack on you with advantage. Okay, he just barely manages to hit you and deals seven damage. I also need you to make a DC 10 con save for me. Oh, dang. All right. Should be fine. 13. Okay, you're safe from that one. The other ghoul is also going to make a claw attack against you. He also hits and deals seven more damage. Make another con save. Ouch. Hurting pretty bad right about now. 21. Safe again. The next ghoul is going to run through the others to get an attack off and then run back. He stepped into my reach. Attack of opportunity, right? 
Uh, yeah, that would be an attack for you. 13 to hit. Hits. Seven damage. Okay, he swings at you with a claw attack. He hits as well for six damage. Okay, this really isn't good. Roll a con save. 19. All right, the ghoul goes to step back out. Do we get attacks of opportunity? He didn't take the disengage action, so yeah, I guess you and Bill would. Yeah, I already used my reaction this turn, so I can't. All right, well, I'll give him the old stabby stab. 23 to hit. Uh, nine damage. All right, he gets the stabaroo too. Electric boogaloo. 23 to hit as well. 10 damage. Nice. As the ghoul tries to make its way back to safety after swiping at Donald, his back is met with the piercing pain of two rapiers. The ghoul falls over dead. Take that, bitch! One last ghoul makes its way in to try and do the same thing. Claw attack and all. And that's a one. As the ghoul recklessly runs through his allies to attack you, he swings a little too recklessly and accidentally catches the ghoul with an arrow in its neck in its swipe and deals nine damage. This kills that ghoul outright. Damn, thanks for doing our job for us. Now that that ghoul is dead, this one is just going to remain here for its turn. With that, it's finally your turn, Bill. Okay, I'm going to save my spell slots to probably try and heal Donald up. So for now, I'm just going to stab the ghoul in front of him. 14 to hit. 10 damage. All right, back to you, Joe. Let's just keep the stabbing going. 18. 11 damage. That ghoul just took a major beating from you two. He is very clearly on his last leg. Your go, George. I think I'm going to step back here so I can see the other ghoul, and I'm going to fire on him. I'm going to take the minus five to hit again, too. Go hard or go home, you know? Though, honestly, either is fine. I'd love to go home right now. This is scary as shit. Roll for hit, George. Ooh, after taking off the five, that's an eight. Miss. All right, Donald, let's see what you got. I'm going to try and do what I did last time and swing for the one George just tried to shoot. 21 to hit. Eight damage, and I'll use my bonus attack on the one in front of me. 21 again. Five damage. Okay, you bashed the ghoul's head with the blunt end of your glaive, and the impact was all the motivation the ghoul needed to die. The last ghoul tries to bite you in its desperate last attempt. And he misses. Your go, Bill. I'll just step forward here and see if my sword-to-face technique is enough to end him. 24. And eight damage. He's on his last leg. Joe, it's your go. I'm going to step on over here and get that advantage and sneak attack damage. This is probably overkill, but let's do it. 23 and 60. Definitely a hit. Five damage plus four sneak attack damage. Yeah, with that last stab, the last ghoul finally collapses to the floor. All right, good work, guys. Had a lot of really good rolls there. However, I'm hurting really bad right now. I'll eat those other four berries, but I could still use a heal. I'll use Cure Light Wounds on you. All right, that's six more HP. Okay, nice. I'll finish it off with my Lay on Hands, and that'll be good enough for now. Well done, guys. That went better for you than I anticipated. What's the plan now? You guys want to head south and see what's that way? Sounds good to me. All right, we'll head that way then. You make your way down the passage into a large room. This room is festooned with moldy skeletons that hang from rusty shackles against the walls. 
A wide alcove in the south wall contains a painted wooden statue carved in the likeness of a gaunt, pale-faced man wearing a voluminous black cloak, his pale left hand resting on the head of a wolf that stands next to him. In his right hand, he holds a smoky gray crystal orb. The room has exits in the west and north walls. Chanting can be heard coming from the west. Oh, wow, that's a pretty interesting statue. I mean, I guess it's interesting, but I think I'm more interested in the orb than I am the statue. Just leave it alone. The amount of shit we've dealt with so far. All we need is another... Mr. Chips leaps off of your shoulder, Joe, and lands on the hand of the statue. What's up, Mr. Chips? Is there something here you want? Mr. Chips runs up the arm of the statue and onto its shoulder. Oh, you like his shoulder more? I don't think it has a preference, Joe. Again, it's just a rat. Come back here. Mr. Chips nods his head and runs along the statue's right arm and leaps over the orb and back onto Joe's shoulder. Mr. Chips has mad hops. Mr. Chips might have hops, but his foot nicked the orb on his way back to you, causing it to fall off balance and out of the hand of the statue. It falls through the air and creates a loud clink as it hits the ground. Oh, damn it. He might have damaged the orb with that. I'm going to pick it up and check it for damage. Also, do we know by any chance who the statue is of? You do, actually. This is a statue of none other than Strahd himself. Oh, shit. Oh, shit, indeed. As you pick up the orb and check it for damages, the shadow cast by the arm of the Strahd statue splits and manifests into five humanoid shadows that surround you. Sure, why not? Everything is just out to get us now. And battle starts. Joe, you get to go first. Dang, Mr. Chips, you see what you started? Mr. Chips points at Donald. Yeah, you're probably right. He did it. Anyways, I'm going to step behind this one next to Bill so I can get advantage and sneak attack. All right. Eight and 12 to hit. The 12 hits. Eight damage from my main attack and five more from sneak attack. All right, George, you go. I'm going to fire at the one Joe just stabbed. Better to take them out one by one. I'm going to use my sharpshooter feet here, too. Crit. Roll that damage and add the 10 to it. 23. You fire your bow, and as the arrow penetrates the shadow, it dissipates completely. Hell yeah. All right, Donald, your move. I'm going to lay a beat down on the one right next to me. 23 to hit. 13 damage. Time for my bonus attack. 21 to hit and four more damage. Bill, your move. I'm going to flank the shadow for advantage and swing on the same one as Donald. 16 and 22 to hit. 11 more damage. Okay, the shadow's turn now. The shadow next to Donald is going to swing at him. Okay, that one misses. This one is going to swing on you, George. Oh shit, stay away. He misses as well. But the sheer panic you had from that close call forced Thorn back out of your body. He swiftly makes his way to Joe and attempts to possess him. Roll a charisma save, Joe. Stay the hell out of me. I'm usually already scared enough as it is. Seven. I'm afraid that isn't enough. You are now possessed by Thorn there, Joe. This ghost has really been a thorn in our sides. Yeah, get it? Yeah, Joe, we get it. Okay, this shadow tries to swing on you, Bill. Okay, he definitely hits. Oh, damn it. He deals 10 damage to you. Holy shit, I'm about to die again. That's not all. He also drains your strength score by four points. I'm already weak as shit with my strength. He just took me down to four. If you get drained down to zero strength, you will die, just so you're aware. 
Oh, so I'm close to death in more ways than one. Yep. All right. Last Shadow tries to come in and swing on you too, Bill. You must have it out for me or something. I don't, but they do. All right, back to the top again. Your move, Joe. Yeah, I'm backing the hell out of here, but first I'm going to flank this one next to Donald and swing on it. 15 and 20 to hit. 15 damage total. You stab the shadow in the back with the rapier and it dissipates. Okay, I'm going to use my cunning action to disengage from all of this. What about that was cunning? You're just wimping out and leaving us. I've done a ton of damage already. Time for me to get to safety. Hey, man, I get it. I've been there. I'm going to try and step back and away from the shadow and fire on one of the shadows attacking Bill. You best believe I'm using sharpshooter. Before you do that, you are leaving the reach of the shadow so you provoke an attack of opportunity. That's fine. Let's do it. Okay, it misses. Nice. All right, I'm attacking from here. 17 minus the 5 is 12. It hits. 15 damage. Here you go, Donald. All right, same target as George. Let's get these shadows off, Bill. 16 to hit. 10 damage. And bonus attack. 23. You seriously have some crazy luck with these dice. I'm just waiting for the moment it all goes away. I mean, I did just roll a one earlier. Seven more. Bills go. All right, I think I'm going to try swinging on the hurt shadow. Sounds like the best move here. Eight and 17. Eight damage. Your rapier penetrates the shadow, and the shadow sinks down into the ground and disappears entirely. It's dead? Yeah. Okay, good. Back to the shadows. This one swings on you again, Bill. And that's a miss. All right, this one swings on you again, George. Another miss. Your turn, Joe. I'm quite happy over here, thanks. I end my turn here in safety. I'm on the verge of death, and you are staying over there? Seriously? i got to preserve my own life, thanks. Too scary over there. Uh, okay then, George, your move again. I guess I'm going to have to provoke another attack of opportunity as I step away again. Can't have that disadvantage for attacking. All righty then. Okay, that definitely hits, and you take 11 necrotic damage, and he drains four strength from you. Oh, wow, I think that might be the first bit of damage I've taken since we've gotten here. I'm going to use Sharpshooter on the shadow next to Bill. Hey, another crit. And you say you're surprised by my rolls. You've crit a couple of times so far, too. True. 21 damage. Okay, nice hit. All right, time for this shadow to meet my cold steel. 16. And five damage. Oh, and a crit on my bonus attack. Eleven damage. Max rolled it. That kills that shadow. Only the one left now. Your go, Bill. I really don't want to get close to it right now, so I think I'm just going to use vicious mockery and shout some insults at it. It needs to make a DC 13 wisdom check. It passes the check. Damn. Okay, shadow's turn now. It's going to swing on you again, George. It hits and deals six damage to you and drains three strength. Okay, things just got serious. I have one strength left and seven health. It is your move now, George. Okay, I've got to take the disengage action and get the hell away from here. I'm going to go run over to where Joe is. All right, Joe, it's your turn now. I'm still scared shitless. I'm not doing anything. You're seriously going to make me handle all of this? You realize I will not let you hear the end of it after this. I'm swinging on it. Ten. That is actually a miss. 
Okay, bonus attack then. 14 to hit. Five damage. Bill, your turn. I'm going to also run over to where the others are, leaving Donald closest to the shadow and use vicious mockery again. Hey, what do you know? He failed it. Nice. That's two damage, and he will have disadvantage on his next attack. Okay, well, he is going to go for Donald now. Definitely a miss with disadvantage. Go, George. Sharpshooter time. Oof, nine to hit. Whiff. Okay, Joe. Wait, I have a short bow. I completely forgot about that. Oh, now you remember. I'm going to drop my rapier and pull out my bow and attack. All right, better late than never, I guess. 24 to hit. Four damage. Okay, Donald. My God, just die already. 15 to hit. Eight damage. 20 to hit for my bonus attack and six more damage. All right, Bill. I'm going to hurl more insults his way. He failed again. Three psychic damage. As you yell obscenities and insults at the shadow, it realizes it just can't take the pressure of this pseudo-life it has and bursts into thin air. My God, what a fight. You guys just almost died. We seriously are going to have to rest again before we do anything. Yeah, no joke. Are you going to try and rest right here? Earlier, when I bolted from that Grick fight, I think I ran into the steps we came down on. We might be able to head back up there for a sec where we rested before. It seems safer up there. That sounds like a great idea. Anything to get back out of this hellhole for a bit. Mr. Chips is showing great disappointment in you, Joe. I'm sorry, Mr. Chips. I can't help it. I'm okay with that. Let's backtrack for just a bit and recoup. Sounds like a plan. But as you start to make your way back, you all notice a small piece of slightly rotted wood sticking out of the clay wall to the east. Uh, Okay, why should we care about that? Come on, Donald, you're smarter than that. I'm going to try and pull on the piece of wood. As you yank and tug on the piece of wood, you can start to see creases forming in the clay in the shape of a doorway. Oh, nice. I'll start ripping away at it. You pull chunks of clay away and uncover a slightly rotted wooden door. I'll open it if it's unlocked. It is unlocked. The door, barely on its hinges, swings open and reveals a stone staircase that climbs up about ten feet to a ladder. Hmm, interesting. I think I'll go check that ladder and see where it goes at least. You climb up the ladder and at the top is a trap door that has been bolted shut from below. Bolted shut, huh? That's no match for the Don. I'm going to try to bash it open. I'm not even going to roll for it. The threading of the wood is slightly rotted so the bolts just slide out when you apply a reasonable amount of force to it. The trap door swings open and you find yourself back in the den from the first floor. Oh, hell yeah. Check this out, guys. Let's rest right here for now. Oh, that's great. A breath of fresh air for a moment. How the hell did we miss this when we were in here? You make your way back up into the den. The room is silent except for the crackling of the still-burning fire. You enjoy the little reprieve you have for now as you all rest up. You make your way back up into the den... The room is silent except for the crackling of the still-burning fire. You enjoy the little reprieve you have for now as you all rest up. Man, and to think we were about to spend another short rest in the attic, this is much better. I just wish the wine wasn't so bad. You don't need to be drinking anyways. Who is going to be using hit dye to recover? I've got one more. Same. I still have two, but I might have to use them both here. I haven't used any yet. I haven't even been touched yet. 
Yeah, you've been doing most of the touching air quotes. What? Nothing. All right, I'm rolling for my short rest. 22. All right, I'll do the same. All right, that works seven. Nice. Still one short, though, but I should be fine. You're all healed up for the most part. What do you want to do now? Actually, I did have a thought. Joe, let me see your character sheet really quickly. Uh, why? Just let me see it for a second. Uh, all right, then. Hmm. Yeah, I thought as much, Joe, you geriatric fuck. You have thieves' tools. You haven't been adding your proficiency bonus to your lockpicking rolls. Everything you rolled was actually too higher. Are you serious, Joe? Let me look back at the rolls here. Okay, it looks like that extra two on your lockpick saved a chest for you. Since we're still early in the game, I'll be nice about it and give that to you. The roll it saved you on was the chest with the three moss agates in it. So feel free to add those to your bag, Joe. You're welcome. Hell yeah, check it out, Mr. Chips. Some shiny stuff. Mr. Chips holds his paw out for a high five. That's what I'm talking about, high five. All right, here's your sheet back. Wait, hold on. Joe, are you shitting me right now? Did you even read sneak attack? You don't need to be behind them to make sneak attack work as long as one of us are next to your target. You've slept on so much potential sleep attack damage, it even works for ranged attacks. Which also means potentially faster kill times, meaning we take less damage. Which means less resources spent to heal back up. Man, you really let the ball go on that one, Joe. I didn't know. You know I don't do shit myself. I had one of my aides make it for me. I didn't fully look it over. Mr. Chips holds his hand back out for a high five, Joe. At least you still have my back, Mr. Chips. High five. Mr. Chips moves his paw at the last second away from your hand and then shakes his head in disappointment. Oh, come on, man. Not you two. Just remember that from now on. It's time we get going. Agreed. Oh, wait. Before we go, speaking of lockpicking, I forgot to bash this cabinet in when Joe failed his first roll here. Can I do that? Sure, let me roll to see if you damage anything. Hey, nice. Everything remained intact. Inside the cabinet, you find a heavy crossbow, light crossbow, hand crossbow, and 20 bolts for each of them. Oh, wow. The most loot we found in one place, and we missed it because of Joe. I mean, you're the one that didn't bash it in afterwards, so I'd say you're probably just as much to blame. Whatever. I don't have a ranged weapon, and I am also proficient with hand crossbows. Could I grab that? I too do not have a ranged weapon, not that I really need one. But it's better to be safe. I have martial weapon proficiency, so I can use the heavy crossbow. And look at that, you're already sharing. Shut up, they're weapons. It's in my best interest to keep you well equipped so I don't die when you're all 20 feet away from the fight. Either way, cool, I'll keep this just in case. Since George and Joe already have bows, I'm just gonna take the light crossbow as well and hold on to it for now. All right, ready to move on? I believe so. Let's head back down and check out the rest of the basement. Oh, geez, I seriously do not want to go back down there again. Sorry, not sorry, Joe. We got work to do. You did the same thing to me earlier. Let's get going. You all squeeze back down the trapdoor, down the stairs, and back into the room with the statue. Again, the moment you make it back down into the basement, the chanting starts back up. Ugh, that chanting is going to give me a headache. Let's get going. Where to? There was a doorway just to the west there. We could start there. Let's do that then. I'll lead the way. Like Bill said, there is a closed door to the west. It looks as if there is a padlock preventing you from opening it. 
My time to shine again now with my proficiency bonus. Let's see this shit. So you're attempting to pick the lock then? You know it. Dexterity check, right? I remembered this time. No, Joe. Not a dexterity check. What? The moment you attempt to pick the lock, your hands immediately adhere to it. What the fuck? What's happening? You've just been grappled by a mimic, Joe. Holy shit, we're right back into it. Since you've all rested, I'm going to ask that you all re-roll your initiatives. Please, no. Get it off me. I'm too young to die. Joe, you are literally the oldest person at the table here. That doesn't mean I'm not too young to die. Besides, our characters are young. You know what? You got me there. I'll give you that. All right, initiative time. Eleven. Nine. Five. Twenty-two. Wow, really downgraded your initiatives there. Tell me about it. All right, it looks like you get to go first, Joe. Just remember that you are currently grappled by the mimic. Get this damn thing off of me. I'm going to try and escape the grapple. All right, going to need either an athletics or acrobatics check, Joe. Hmm, which one should I use? Is that a joke? You're weak as shit. Take the acrobatics check. Okay. Nine. Try as you may, you just cannot get out of the mimic's grapple. Wow, even went with the better skill and still managed to screw it up. It's the Mimic's turn now and he is going to bite you, Joe. He has advantage on attack rolls made on creatures it's grappling too. Wow, uh, he just rolled a 19 and a 20. This is probably going to hurt. Please no. As you're squirming to get out of the Mimic grasp, it bites down on you like a vice grip. It deals nine piercing damage and nine more acid damage for a total of 18 damage. Oh God, it's nearly killed me. Yeah, feels like some karmic justice for being the only one who hasn't taken any damage yet. You just took it all at once there. Bill, it's your go. Uh, I think I'm going to cast Vicious Mockery on him. At the very least, if Joe can't get out of the grapple, I can prevent the Mimic from having advantage. Okay, let me roll it. He succeeded. Damn it. Go, Donald. All right, Joe, I'll save you. Moving in and swinging on it. 17 to hit. Hits. 12 damage. And I'm going to use my last spell slot and divine smite this thing. Nine damage. Time for bonus attack. 23. Four more. Moving back now. Good damage. Okay, George, let him have it. All right, I'm going to fire on it with sharpshooter. We got to kill this thing ASAP. 19. 16 damage. Good hit, too. Go, Joe. I got to get out of this grapple. 16. While the Mimic is still reeling from all that damage it just took, you find your moment to slip out of its grapple. As soon as you get back to your feet, away from the Mimic, Thorn shoots back outside of your body. Oh, not this again. Actually, this time he slips past the Mimic and flies somewhere into the next room out of your sight. Uh, that's interesting. I feel a little less scared now, but still definitely scared. I'm going to move the hell away from this thing. It got an AOO, but missed. It goes in to attack Donald. That would be yet another crit. This mimic is fucking you guys up. 11 damage, and you are now grappled, Donald. Damn, Barack. You trying to end the campaign early? Sometimes the dice love you, and sometimes they hate you. Bill, it's your go. I'm sure Donald can get out of that grapple, so I'm just going to step forward here and stab the shit out of it. Eleven. Whiff. Donald? 
All right, we got three attacks before it's the mimic's turn again. I'm going to go all out here and just attack it and hope we can kill it before its next turn. That's quite the gamble there, Donald. Do you really want to put your fate up to their roles? I believe in you, George. You less so, Joe, but still somewhat. I'm slicing this mimic up. 15 to hit. 11 damage. 11 to hit for the bonus attack. Bonus attack misses. All right, sharpshooter time. Damn, five. You failed me, George. I'm sorry. Joe, see what you can do. All right, I'm running in there and going for the stab. This time I know about the sneak attack damage. 14 to hit. Eight damage, and now for sneak... Actually, I'm just going to stop you right there. No need for the sneak attack damage. You're really going to cuck me out of this? It would have been so poetic for me to learn about the sneak attack damage and then get to use it to save Donald. True, but it's also pretty funny to just cut you off. Anyways, as your rapier punctures the mimic, it releases Donald from its grasp and collapses to the ground. As soon as it hits the ground, it morphs from its object form back into its true form, an amorphous, blob-like substance. Funny how you believed in George and didn't really believe Joe. Yet George was the one who failed you and Joe came through. I still trust George more. Anyways, now that the mimic is dealt with, you're free to enter the room. Before we do anything, could I get a heal? I've got one more spell slot left. I'll use it to cast Cure Wounds on you. Seven. Thanks. Yep. Any chance I could get more of those berries there, George? If we get into another fight, 11 health isn't going to cut it. Sure thing. I cast Goodberry again. Thank you. I'll take it all. Let's move on. A chandelier is suspended above a table in the middle of the room. Two high-backed chairs flank the table, which has an empty clay jug and two clay flagons atop it. Iron candlesticks stand in two corners, their candles long since melted away. Well, that's boring. What about over here? Okay. This room contains a large wood-framed bed with a rotted feather mattress, a wardrobe containing several old robes, a pair of iron candlesticks, and an open crate containing 30 torches and a leather sack with 15 candles inside it. At the foot of the bed is an unlocked wooden footlocker. Come on, Donald, let's take a seat for a minute. That fight was ridiculous. Right there with you, Bill. I'll sit here. No way, man. Didn't you hear that? There could be loot in here. Let's see what's in this footlocker. You're going to like this one, Donald. The footlocker creaks as it opens and its contents are revealed. Inside is a folded cloak of protection, a small wooden coffer containing four potions of healing, a chain shirt, a mess kit, a flask of alchemist's fire, a bullseye lantern, a set of thieves' tools, and a spell book with a yellow leather cover. Ha! Fucking score! Oh shit, he actually found some good shit. That's right, bitch. I'm gonna put the coffer in my bag and put on the cloak. I'm actually gonna stop you right there, Donald. Oh shit. As soon as the coffer leaves the footlocker, the wall behind you and to the north of the bed bursts open as two ghasts stumble out, knocking you back five feet. Despite their disheveled look, you instantly recognize them as Gustav and Elizabeth Durst. Upon seeing them, the ghost of Thorn sweeps in from the other room and stands in the corner crying. Rose leaves your body, Donald, and takes position next to Thorn, trying to console him. We've been at this house for a long time, wondering where our parents went. We had no idea they were down here. It looks like they've become monsters, too, Rose says, while trying to fight off tears. As she is saying this, Gustav and Elizabeth get back to their feet. Combat begins. Joe, it's your move. 
Man, it's one fight after the other here. Uh, I'm going to pull out my short bow and fire on Gustav next to Donald. 19 to hit. That's a hit. Six damage and two sneak attack damage. Okay, Bill. I could use the hand crossbow, but honestly, I feel like vicious mockery is still the play here. Giving him disadvantage is better than the small amount more damage I could do. So I think I'll do that. He failed his check. Nice. Four damage. Donald, your go. But before you do anything, roll a con saving throw. The ghast has a terrible stench, and if you fail your save, you will be poisoned. If you pass the check, you're immune for 24 hours. Oh, really? Okay, then. Uh, that's a 10. Just barely saved there. Okay, good. I'm going to disengage and move back to the other room here so they have to go through this pathway. Okay, their move now. Gustav chases after you, Donald. You know what that means? Attack of opportunity, baby. Oh, for fuck's sake. One. As you bring the blade of your glaive down toward the ghast, it manages to stumble out of the way and the blade lodges itself into the clay flooring. I'm going to give Gustav advantage here, negating the disadvantage he previously had from Bill. Damn it, Donald, I tried to help. Gustav comes in with a bite attack. Definitely a hit. That is 15 damage. Fuck, that hurts. Elizabeth is coming in to do the same thing. Okay, she got a one. As Elizabeth runs toward you, she trips and falls prone. George, your go. Gotta risk it for the biscuit here. Sharpshooting Gustav. 18 to hit. 17 damage. Good shit. All right, Joe, your turn again. Time to die, Gustav. Natural 20. Joe coming through yet again for Donald here. 14 damage. And nope, sorry, no sneak attack damage for you, Joe. As you release your arrow, it slips past Donald and straight through the eye and through the brain of the ghast. It lets out a slight whimper as it falls forward to the ground. Coming in clutch there, Joe. Well done, Joe. Bill, let's see what you do on the follow-up. I mean, at this point, it should be pretty obvious. I don't have a lot left I can do right now. I'm just going to tell the ghast it's a dumbass for falling over and call it a day. The ghast looks as if it was extremely offended by your comment. From the ground, she makes eye contact with you and a small tear is shed. Two damage. Go, Donald. Remember, she's prone, so you have advantage. Oh, Whittle Gas gonna cry. Off with her fucking head. 23 and 17. 13 damage. Bonus attack. Whoa, thank God for advantage. 1 and 17. Four more damage. Okay, it's her turn now. She spends half her movement to get up from prone and comes for you, Donald. A of O time. Damn, seven. Elizabeth tries to bite you with disadvantage. Wow, with disadvantage, she rolled another one. I'm just going to rule that she must really have a jacked up foot or something because she fell flat on her face yet again. Your go, George. Wow, makes me kind of feel bad for her. I'm going to fire with sharpshooter. Remember, George, she's prone right now and you aren't within five feet of her, so you will have disadvantage. Oh, damn, I forgot. Okay, just a normal shot then. 16 and 13. Yeah, that 13 hits. Glad I didn't use sharpshooter then. 11 damage. Okay, I'm going to pull out my rapier and run up and stab her while she's on the ground. 24 and 10. 4 damage and... Nope. 
Fucking seriously, I finally realized I could have been using sneak attack this entire time and now you won't let me use it, but like once? Because you're killing everything before you even get to the sneak attack damage. I could have you roll it, but it's funnier to cut you off. Anyways, you lodge your rapier into the torso of the ghast and like the last one, she lets out a slight whimper and goes limp. I'd just like to point out that I've killed the past three things despite you having no faith in me. More like stole the kills. We had it under control. You're never gonna let him win, are you, Donald? Never. Now for the spoils of war. I'm gonna go nab that cloak now. You guys are cool with me having it, right? Naturally, all the AC you can get is good. I think I deserve it. For this one, I gotta agree with Bill. Sorry, Joe. Here, Joe, you use this. I toss him a potion of healing while I chug one myself. With the plus two, that makes seven. Five. As you're celebrating your victory, you remember the kids left in the other room. Ah, shit, I'll step through and check on them. Their crying can barely be heard over the ongoing chanting. But as you step through the corpses of what were once their parents and turn the corner, you see them sobbing in the corner. Their ethereal tears slide down and disappear into thin air as they drip off their faces. I'm so sorry you had to see that. They're completely distraught and not even paying attention to you. Man, what a shame. Is there anything we can do for them? They've been stuck inside that house for so long, unable to move on to the next life, while their parents have been turned into these creatures. Do with that what you may. Well, that's not very helpful. George, Joe, you got any ideas? Sorry, I got nothing. Joe? Joe! Oh, sorry, I was taking a short nap. Sleepy Joe at it again. You got any ideas for what we should do with these kids? On second thought, forget I said anything. I mean, you kind of just gave me one. Barack just said they were unable to move on to the next life, and Joe sleeping over here just made it click. We're going to have to put their bodies to rest. But they're already dead. How do you get more rest than that? No, you idiot. He means we got to get their corpses and put them in a grave. But we'd have to leave the house for that. There was an area we haven't checked yet on this floor. We kind of skipped past it with that Grick fight. I noticed some pathways when I was running back to the stairs. Oh, we could always try that. We'd have to head that way anyways to get their bodies. Worth a try at least. All right, that sounds like a plan. We'll make sure your suffering is put to an end, kids. What about the parents? Sorry, Joe, I'm not carrying two dead ghasts all the way over there. The kids will have to do here. Let's move. The chanting continues to pester your eardrums as you backtrack through the tunnels. George was right about the other passageways he saw earlier. There are three sets of paired rooms stemming from the pathway, two sets to the south, and one to the north. Let's start with the one to the north, then. You find two crypts with large stone slabs covering them, each inscribed with something. The one on the left reads, Thornbolt Durst, and the one on the right reads, Rosavalda Durst. Oh, wow, we found it first try. Nice. Also, they're conveniently next to the stairs to the attic. Okay, boys, two of you go get their bodies while I try and open up these crypts. All right, Bill, let's go get them. We will return shortly. Okay, let's get this thing open. I'm going to need an athletics check from you, Donald. Hey, wait, I have a crowbar in my bag. Would that help? Oh, definitely. He'll get advantage on his rolls with it. Coming in clutch yet again, Donald. Yeah, yeah, just give me the crowbar. Rolling it. 23 and 19 for that one. More than enough on both rolls. With the crowbar, you easily pry the slab from its fitting and slide it slightly ajar. Okay, that one is ready. On to the next. 
25 and 16. Same as the other one, pretty easy for you. George and Bill make their way back down the steps, each of them carrying a pile of bones. No, man, I'm telling you, birds aren't real. You're crazy. All right, here are the bodies. Birds aren't real? Don't worry about it, Joe. We were just talking about our favorite conspiracy theories on our way up and down the stairs. You both take the corpses to their respective crypts, and Donald, you close the doors back up on them. The ghosts of the kids appear one last time in front of their crypts, each of them smiling and waving as they slowly disappear. That sounds like it came straight out of a Disney movie or something. A little bit, yeah. Either way, well done, gentlemen. You've successfully put the children to rest, and although your stories in Barovia are just getting started, you've already got one good deed under your belt. You're making a difference. I'm granting each of you inspiration to use whenever you'd like. Oh, that's cool. Now that we're rid of those kids, what do we do? We've got one more place to explore, I believe. We've passed by some stairs a couple of times on our way back and forth. Onward and upward, then. Pretty sure it's onward and downward in this case, but yeah. Okay. Backtracking again, you make your way back to the stairway. As you head down, the chanting once again gets louder. You're getting closer. Let's make our descent. As you head deeper into the basement dungeon, the chanting pierces your psyche. At the bottom of the stairs lies a room filled with relics stored in 13 niches along the walls. When you step into the room, the chanting, like a decrypted message, changes from what seemed like gibberish into a language you can understand. You can discern a dozen or so voices saying over and over, he is the ancient, he is the land. What the hell is that supposed to mean? That doesn't make this chanting any more bearable. My guess would be that they're referring to Strahd. This cult does seem to be obsessed with him. Who's Strahd? Please, just... No, Joe. We're not revisiting that. What's the deal with all these so-called relics in the room? Through the years the cult was active, they had amassed 13 relics that they used for different rituals. They are as follows. A small, mummified, yellow hand with sharp claws on a loop of rope, a knife carved from a human bone, a dagger with a rat's skull set into the pommel, an eight-inch diameter varnished orb made from a Nothic's eye, an aspergillum carved from bone, a folded cloak made from stitched ghoul skin, a desiccated frog lashed to a stick, a bag full of bat guano, a hag's severed finger, a six-inch tall wooden figurine of a mummy, its arms crossed over its chest, an iron pendant adorned with a devil's face, the shrunken, shriveled head of a halfling, a small wooden coffer containing a dire wolf's withered tongue, I'm not sure why we should care about any of this stuff. But you know I am nabbing that dagger with the rat skull on the pommel. Yeah, like 90% of the shit here I don't even want to touch. Looks disgusting. Heh, <laughs> guano. Whenever I hear that word, all I can think about is Ace Ventura 2. What a classic. Einhorn is Finkel. That's Ace Ventura 1. Still just as good. I prefer 2. The slinky scene killed me. Yes, Ace Ventura is great. Let's get back to the game. Yeah, I really can't think of anything I want to do with anything here. I'm going to look through this gate here. What do I see? You step toward the portcullis, but note that the floor around it is submerged under about two feet of murky water. Disgusting, but that doesn't really bother me. What's on the other side? It's a large room filled with water. In the center, it looks like some kind of altar. But that's all you can really make out from here. Can I try and lift the portcullis with these big muscles of mine? I would be very impressed if you could lift this. Calling it now, he's going to fail miserably. It is technically possible. I'll need an athletics check from you. Let's do this shit. 23. 
Wow, okay, through pure strength alone, Donald upheaves the portcullis. As it reaches the top, you hear a click as the gate is locked into place. I should note that to your left on the other side of the portcullis is a wheel that can be used to release or raise it. Noted. What was that about failing miserably, Joe? It wasn't really that impressive. Mr. Chips, very impressed by Donald's show of strength, hops from your shoulder, Joe, to Donald's. No, Mr. Chips, I thought we were cool. At this point, I think he's just sort of a part of the group and will be with all of us at some point. Yeah, Donald's come around on him a bit, too, so I think that's why Mr. Chips did that. Just be careful with him. Mr. Chips knew he'd be safer with me after that mimic nearly consumed you in a single attack. Anyways, that was a pretty cool thing you did there, but this kind of looks like the final area. Very foreboding. Should we maybe go check out that other pathway before we go in here? Kind of putting a damper on my feet of strength there, but sure, why not? Uh, all right, after having lifted the gate, you turn back around and head through the other hallway. This room is filled with long dead prisoners, their bones scattered across the floor. You can see several shackles across the walls. Uh, I'll walk through the hall here and check the rooms. Is there anything of value here for us, or was this just pointless? On one of the shackles lies a still mostly intact skeleton in cult garb. One of its bony fingers is adorned with a shiny gold ring. Ooh, a shiny of my own. I'll take it and slide it onto my own finger. Nice. Also, if you'll make a perception check for me as well. 17. On the south wall in the center of the room, you notice a small groove in the floor. The chain on that particular wall does not have any shackles at the end of it. Okay, seems to be pretty obviously a door. I'll pull on the chain. As you yank the chain, the left side of the door slides inward along the groove and the pathway is opened. It leads to the bigger room. I still think my way was cooler. Let's head in. The chanting stops as you peer into this 40-foot square room. The smooth masonry walls provide excellent acoustics. Featureless stone pillars support the ceiling, and a breach in the west wall leads to a dark cave heaped with refuse. Murky water covers most of the floor. Stairs lead up to dry stone ledges that hug the walls. In the middle of the room, more stairs rise to form an octagonal dais that also rises above the water. Rusty chains with shackles dangle from the ceiling directly above a stone altar mounted on the dais. The altar is carved with hideous depictions of grasping ghouls and is stained with dry blood. Oh, thank God the chanting is gone. Geez, what a morbid looking place. Let's go check out that altar in the center. Come on, Mr. Chips. Mr. Chips nods his head and points toward the altar. Making my way down south, walking fast. Joe's got gas, and I'm altar bound. <laughs> How'd you know? You trudge through the water and climb the steps up to the altar. We'll follow behind, but let's stay back just a little bit. We don't know what'll happen up there. Don't want to get ambushed or anything. Yeah, I like that idea. Just be careful, Mr. Chips. You climb the steps of the altar. It's several feet above water level and kind of hard for you guys to see what's going on up there. Donald, as you approach the top, the chanting rises once more as 13 dark apparitions appear on the ledges overlooking the room. Each one resembles a black-robed figure holding a torch, but the torch's fire is black and seems to draw light into it. Where you'd expect to see faces are voids. One must die, they chant over and over. One must die, one must die. Oh, not this shit again. This is much more annoying than before. What do they mean, one must die? Uh, it would seem they want a sacrifice. Really? Is that seriously why we came all the way down here? Seems to be the case, yeah. Well, what do we do? Draw straws? Whoever has the shortest gets sacrificed? No, you idiot. None of us are going to get sacrificed. You must make a sacrifice or face the cult's wrath. Oh, jeez. 
Just make the chanting stop, for the love of God. Calm down, Donald. You don't get it. It's so much worse up here, I can barely hear myself think. We might have to do this. Dude, just calm the fuck down. We'll figure it out. You're damn straight we're figuring this out right now. I should note, the cultists do not care what is sacrificed as long as it's a living creature. Wait, no, no, we're not doing what I know you're thinking of doing. I'm sorry, Joe, but if it gets this chanting to stop, I will do what must be done. Seems a little out of character for you, Donald. I can't think straight. I grab Mr. Chips with one hand and my short sword with the other. Donald, for the love of God, please know, I will never forgive you for this. Oh, Don, this is not the way, man. I was really starting to like that rat, too. I hold Mr. Chips down on the floor and raise my short sword. The chanting grows louder and louder for all of you as Donald prepares to make his sacrifice. I bring my sword down in one swift swing. No! The chanting stops abruptly and all that can be heard is the echo of cold steel hitting the stone of the altar. A tear drips from Donald's face. You really made me care for this rat so much only to take him from me in such a short time. Fuck you, Donald. I draw my rapier and make my way up the steps. Oh, shit. In the silence, all that can be heard is each step Joe makes as he climbs the altar. I stand back up, short sword still in hand, staring at Joe. I'm sorry I put you through that, genuinely. As you reach the top, you're expecting to see the corpse of Mr. Chips laying on the floor. But to your surprise, Mr. Chips is still alive. Unharmed. He leaps from the altar and back onto your shoulder, Joe, giving Donald what is probably the rat equivalent of the middle finger. Yeah, I probably deserve that, Mr. Chips. I couldn't bring myself to do it. It'll take some time to earn your trust back. Look, man, we put the kids to rest and there's clearly nothing left for us here. Let's just leave. Fuck this cult. We don't need to sacrifice shit for them. Yeah, I'm with Bill here. We got what we needed done. Let's just leave now. Yeah, I want to get out of here with Mr. Chips still in one piece, Donald. I get it. Let's go then. As you all step away from the altar, the chanting starts back up. Just a little longer and we'll be rid of this annoyance. This time they are chanting, Lorgoth the Decayer, we awaken thee. You have disappointed the cult. Lorgoth? Yep, Lorgoth. The giant pile of refuse to the west begins to shake and rumble. That's not good. As the trash and other miscellaneous objects tumble off the pile, it raises up and reveals a shambling mound. Holy shit, that thing is huge. Not quite huge, but it is a large creature. Roll initiative and keep in mind that this two foot deep water is considered difficult terrain, so you'll only get half speed here. Oh, now you tell me. Uh, four. Nine. Twenty-one. Twenty. Okay, Joe, you get to start us off. I still don't even know what the plan is. Can we take a sec to figure this out? Take all the time you need. Honestly, being in this water is a bad move for us. We're gonna need to take that thing elsewhere if we even intend to fight it. I agree, this is not the place to do it. I think we should all make a break for that gate. Sprint there if you have to. It's probably gonna go before me and potentially Bill, but we should make a plan and stick to it either way. Barack mentioned earlier there is a wheel that releases the gate. Maybe we can get behind it and shoot at it from the other side. Could probably just lift the gate up itself. Hey man, you got a better plan? Actually, yes, you just gave me one. We need to all get to the other side of that gate as fast as possible. We'll start with that. Just go with me here. All right, I'll trust your judgment here. All right, I'm just going to sprint to the other side of the gate here. Okay, George, you go. Yeah, I'm pretty much just going to do the same thing. Bill, you actually get to go before the mound. Hell yeah, I'm going to go the 15 feet that I can and then cast Mage Hand at the wheel. Oh, I see what your plan is. Clever. I don't get it. 
At the beginning of the shambling mounds turn, the chanting changes yet again to the end comes. Death be praised. The mound is able to move 20 feet, so it's going to move right up to the altar. Unfortunately for you, Donald, it will get an attack off on you. This could be bad, but let's do it. 16. Phew, a miss. He gets another attack. Shit. 26. Oh, fuck. Just be thankful both attacks didn't hit. You'd be grappled and engulfed. Jesus, this thing is no joke then. It deals 12 damage to you. Wow, I have one health. It's your go, Donald. Okay, well, this is a little unfortunate. I'm going to have to use disengage so I can't sprint. I'll go 15 feet right to this side of the door, but that's as far as I can go. It's okay. It can only make it up to the gate on its turn. That gives us a little time. Guys, you need to get back a little further. I'm going to grapple Donald and move back 15 feet so we're all safe on this side. Good idea. All right, Joe. Yep, I'll just go back a bit here and then fire through the path at the mound. Okay. 17 to hit. That hits. Six damage. Same, but I'm going to use sharpshooter. 15. That just barely hits. Nice, 20 damage. All right, I'm going to grapple Donald. I'm sure you're willing, so it will auto-succeed. Yep. All right, I can move at half speed and go back a bit here. The mound moves forward and ends its turn right in front of the gate. I'm going to hold my ground here and fire at it again. 12. That misses. Firing again with sharpshooter. Wow, 15 again. 14 damage. Okay, I'm going to ready an action and use it when the mound is just under the portcullis. As soon as it's below, the mage hand will pull the wheel and release the gate on top of it. That is some smart thinking, Bill. All right, the mound moves under the portcullis and the mage hand pulls the wheel. I'm going to give the mound a reflex saving throw to see if it gets out of the way. Oh shit, I hadn't thought about that. It failed. It has a minus one dex mod, so it's not really that surprising. From the info I can gather, it seems a portcullis trap does 6d6 damage, so I'm just going to go with that. The gate crashes down on top of the shambling mound and deals 22 damage to it. Uh, question. Since the mound is still technically under the gate, could I just drop the gate on it again with Mage Hand? Technically, yes, you could, but we'll see about that if we get there. The mound failed to lift the gate this try and ends its turn there. Yeah, I think I'm just going to chug a potion of healing really quick. Eight. I'm going to end my turn right here and hope Bill can keep it in place. Go, Joe. Short bow attack. That's a crit. Ten damage. Sharpshooting it again. Thirteen. That's a miss. Bill. I literally either have a hand crossbow, vicious mockery, my rapier, or this portcullis. I can't do shit. So I'm just going to hope that I can hit it again with the portcullis if it raises it again. I'm readying my action for that while you guys keep bombarding it. I get it. That's worth it. All right, it's going to make another attempt to raise the gate. This time the mound slams the gate back into place with ease. Mage hand again. The mound is pretty stupid, so I would assume it doesn't have the intelligence to realize that it should try and keep the gate in place, so yeah, I'll roll to see if it dodges the gate. Wow, last time it rolled a five, this time it rolled a two. This really isn't how I expected this to go. I can't really be mad though, I guess. This was pretty creative, I think. Rolling damage. 24 damage this time. It can't move, so that's its turn. All right, time for my revenge. Gonna stab at it with the glaive from 10 feet away. 21. Six damage. 
and 16 to hit for the bonus attack. That hits. Five more damage. Firing again. Wish I could get some sneak attack damage, though. Sorry, Joe, I'm not getting near that thing. 18. Nine damage. Sharpshooter time. 14. Miss. Readying my action again. All right, the mound attempts to lift the gate. Once again, the mound lifts the gate with ease. You're going nowhere, mound. Drop the gate. All right, reflex. Save time. The mound actually succeeded. Oh, fuck. That was its action, and I'm going to have the mound move forward after the reflex save. He is past the gate now and right next to you, Donald. We've got to kill this thing before it can attack. I think I'm going to gamble again. We can do this. We have no idea how much more health it has. You sure about this, Donald? Yep, I have faith in you. I'm swinging on the mound. 18. Eight damage. Damn, seven to hit for bonus. That's a miss. Come on, I can do this. I've got sneak attack damage this time. Damn it, 10. Oh, come on, now the pressure is on me. Sharpshooter. Fuck, 13. You failed me again. You shouldn't have tried to stay there. Uh, I can try and help you out here as much as I can, Donald. I'll yell at it and tell it how stupid it is for letting me drop a gate on it twice in a row. Hopefully that works. All right, I'll roll for it. It failed. Good. One damage. This is it. Its first attack has disadvantage, but its second attack won't. It uses its slam attack on you, Donald. With disadvantage, that attack misses. You, this one definitely hits. It deals 12 damage to you, Donald. Fuck, that knocks me unconscious. Come on, guys, you can do this. Now that it's knocked you out, Donald, I'll need you to make a death-saving throw. Though I will say, it is absolutely going to keep slamming on you until you're dead, so you guys should really try and figure something oh, out here. fuck off, Barack. We'll save you, Donald. You better. First, I have to roll my saving throw. Shit, eight. That's a failure. All right, Joe, your turn. Come on, hurry up and die, stupid mound. Oh, hell yes, crit. Ten damage. Wow, all right, George. Please hit, please hit, please hit. Sharpshooter. Fifteen again. Twenty damage. As your arrow whizzes through the hallway and pierces the mound, it suddenly shivers for a moment and rolls backward back into the room and splashes into the murky water and remains there, lifeless. As the ripples from the splash dissipate, so too does the chanting. Joe, I just want to point out that your attack left the mound with one health, and if George missed this attack, the mound would have had two attacks with advantage on Donald, almost certainly killing him. You guys almost just lost Donald there. Speaking of which, Donald has one last potion of healing left in his bag. I'm going to get it and give it to him. Eight. Donald downs the potion and regains consciousness. Wow, that was a close one. You finally came through for me in the end, George. We managed to kick its ass, but at this point we really should get the hell out of here. Yeah, let's get out of here and find somewhere to rest for the night. An inn or something, please. So that's it then? You're ready to head out? Yeah, I think we're done here, right, Mr. Chips? Mr. Chips nods his head. All right, let's just go back up through that trapdoor rather than go all the way back through the attic and other floors to get out. All right, you all make your way back out of the lower basement and through the upper basement back through the trapdoor. Finally, we're getting out of this place. Not quite yet, Donald. Are you serious? Very. Because you ignored the cult's demands to sacrifice a creature and then killed the mound, the house itself is retaliating. As you all make your way into the den, you realize that all of the windows have been bricked up and all of the outer walls are impervious to your attacks. 
The doors have all been replaced by slashing scythe blades. Every room that has a fireplace, oven, or stove is filled with a poisonous black smoke, including the den. The interior walls have become rotted and brittle. You all need to make your escape from the house before you die. Of course it wouldn't be that easy. Unless, of course, it is. You said the interior walls are rotted and brittle. That means we just need to take out that wall behind the table there, and we can bypass all of this. We just have to succeed on our saving throws. You're suddenly full of good ideas, Bill. Let's do that then. Joe, you're going first. I need you to make a con saving throw for me. Okay. Ten. Just barely saved there. What do you do? I'm gonna take my turn to flip that table over to the side so we can get to the wall. All right, George, your turn. Roll a save. Six. Oof. Yeah, you take three poison damage. I'm gonna pull out my short sword and whack at the wall. All right, roll an attack. Really? Yep. Nine. That hits. No shit. Five damage. That's just enough damage. As your blade slices through the rotting, brittled wall, it falls apart and creates a way through. But before anyone can step through, a swarm of rats pours out from the interior of the wall, ready to attack. They take their turn now and use bite on you, George. 19 to hit, and they deal eight damage. Whatever. I'm not engaging with them. Let's just ignore them and get the hell out of here. They're probably relatives of Mr. Chips. Mr. Chips shakes his head. I'm just going to take the disengage action and make my way outside of the house. Before you do that, roll your con save. Oh, yeah. Seven. You take six damage. All right. Home free. Yeah, I'll just do the same thing as Bill here. I'll roll my save first. 23. Disengaging and headed out. All right, Joe, make another save. 14. Disengage and I'm out. Five. Wow, you take eight more poison damage. You nearly fell unconscious there. Thank God, disengage and I'm out. Congrats, guys. You managed to put the kids to rest, take out the ghasts, get the loot, kill the mound, and escape the death house without dying. I fully expected at least one of you to die. We almost lost Donald at the end there, and then George, too. Donald, I should tell you that the moment you exit the house, all of the silver and crystalware you took from the dining room tarnishes and cracks the moment you exit the house, making it all worthless. Of course it does. Whatever, I'll just leave it all on the porch here. Think of this house as your test run for your characters. Along with your level up, I'm going to offer each of you the chance to change anything you might want to change about your characters before the real campaign starts. But after this point, every choice you make will be set in stone. Be very careful about what you do. Nice. I might change a couple things. Can we please go find an inn or something now? Yeah, I've got a couple of things I might change as well. Yes, you can. You notice the fog is all cleared up around the house and you can go find an inn now. After your triumph at the death house, you gentlemen make your way further into the center of town. The fog around the house may have dissipated, but there is still a thin layer around the rest of the town. First stop, an inn or tavern of some kind. No side quests or other shit. We are on E right now. Yeah, I could go for a drink right now. I'm sure they'll have something there for you. No, I meant out of the game. Oh yeah, I forgot you brought that 12-pack. Anyway, as you get closer to the center of town, you start to see more and more lit lamps on the buildings. Finally, the place doesn't feel so much like a ghost town. A single shaft of light thrusts illumination into the main square, its brightness looking like a solid pillar in the heavy fog. To the north lies the doorway to the town's tavern. 
Above the gaping doorway, a sign hangs precariously askew, proclaiming this to be the Blood on the Vine Tavern. Oh, nice. Let's head in. You step through the doorway and gaze upon the, the shoddy tavern. A blazing fire in the hearth gives scant warmth to the few huddled souls within. They include the barkeep, three Vistani sitting at the table closest to the door, and a lone man situated near the fireplace. Let's go sit a moment by the fire and get our bearings before deciding our next move. I'll give a little wave to the barkeep as we make our way to the table. The barkeep is barely paying attention and misses your wave. But the man at the table across from you perks up a bit. As you're about to pull out chairs, he waves you over. Hey man, come here. Uh, why? Don't leave me hanging, man. I tell you what, I'll buy you all a round of wine. I mean, I can't really turn that down. I'll go sit with him. Hell yeah, man. Sure, why not? He seems decent enough. I'll reach out and shake Donald's hand. Hey man, my name's Mark. No, Theo, your name is Ismark. Yeah, I think that's what I said, man. You know, you got like a stutter or something, man. No, Ismark is your full first name. Oh shit, my bad. My name's Ismark. Pleasure to meet you. I'm Bill, that's George, Joe, and Donald. Tight. One sec, I'm gonna hook you guys up. Yo, barkeep. What do you want now? Gonna need a cold one for each of the boys here, man. The barkeep rolls his eyes, grabs a pitcher of wine from under the counter, and makes his way over to your table. That'll be a silver. I got you covered, man. Ismark grabs a silver piece from his pouch and flicks it in the barkeep's direction. His name's Rick, by the way. Don't uh, know if you knew that. No, it's Auric. Oh, sorry, you are Rick. That it? Could we perhaps ask you a couple questions about this place? No. And don't ask again, kid. Arik pockets the silver piece and makes his way back to the bar. I guess they're not all friendly around here. Oh, Rick? Nah, man. He's just got, like, a bad case of RBF. What's RBF? Resting bitch face. It's a terminal. You mean he's gonna die because of that? I mean, we all will, like, at some point, right? Right. So while we're here, could we pick your brain a bit? That's disgusting, bro. Ain't nobody touching my brain. He meant ask you some questions. Oh, right. Go for it, man. I pull out the letter Ben gave us at the other tavern. His name was Aragal. So we were given this letter from a man named Aragal. It is apparently from the Burgomaster of Barovia. His name is Corn Pop Diddlebitch. No, it... Oh, hell yeah. I fuck with Corn Pops, bruh. He means Kolyan Indirovich. Oh, no shit? That's my pops. Huh, <laughs> get it? But yeah, my dad is the Burgermeister of Barovia. It's Burgomaster. Oh, Burgermaster? Damn it, no. Burgomaster. Uh, apparently my daddy is the Burgomaster. I don't know what that is exactly, but he's that. Let me see that letter, man. Yeah, uh, I don't know who wrote this, but it wasn't my daddy. So we were lied to. Nice going, Donald. You were the one who accepted it. How the hell were either of us going to be able to tell that? I don't know, but that won't stop me from blaming you. Hey man, this ain't couples therapy. We drink to solve our problems here. Anyways, this is still creepy as shit, because it says Irina is the love of his life. Irina is my fucking sister, dude. Well, adopted sister, but that's still weird. Okay, so we're here because some asshole forged a letter about your sister. Great. Yeah, that sucks, dude. 
Wish I could help with that, but I got some of my own problems. Theo, now is where you'd mention that other part. What part? Oh yeah, shit. So, uh, I got a problem I could really use y'all's help with. How's that? Good, Theo. And that would be... Well, like, I don't really want to talk too much about it in here. If you're cool with it, I'd rather us go to my place and I'll fill y'all in. I mean, I'm all for that, but we really got to get a room here and rest for the night. We're pretty beat up right now. Ain't got shit for you right now. Well, there's that. Y'all can bunk at my place for the night, bruh. Hard to argue with that. It's not far, is it? It's on the south side of town, pretty much like a straight walk there, man. I'm in pretty good shape. If anything happens, I've got us covered. See? Joe's got us covered here, man. That isn't very inspiring. I don't know, man. I was told Joe saved your ass like ten times. See, he gets it. All right, let's just get going. I'm tired and want to get this armor off for the night. All right, let's blow this popsicle stand. They sell popsicles here? Uh, maybe. I never asked, man. They do not sell popsicles. So you're all leaving the tavern and headed to Ismark's? I think so, yeah. All right, you finish your pitcher of wine, scoot your chairs back into place, and leave the tavern. Arik seems to hardly even notice you've left. As you head south from the tavern, the wailing and sobbing from earlier gets louder and louder. No, we're not going anywhere near that. I hate to burst your bubble, bud, but we're walking right past it. What even is that? That's the sound of someone crying, my guy. Yeah, I gathered that much. It doesn't matter. We'll deal with that later. We've got to get some rest. We're almost to my place now, man. You make your way south and arrive at a weary-looking mansion that squats behind a rusting iron fence. The iron gates are twisted and torn. The right gate lies cast aside while the left swings lazily in the wind. The stuttering squeal and clang of the gate repeats with mindless precision. Weeds choke the grounds and press with menace upon the house itself. Yet against the walls, the growth has been tramped down to create a path all about the domain. Heavy claw markings have stripped the once beautiful finish of the walls. Great black marks tell of the fires that have assailed the mansion. Not a pane nor a shard of glass stands in any window. All the windows are barred with planks, each one marked with stains of evil omen. Geez, what the hell happened here? This place looks like a shit show. Rude, dude. That's my humble abode you're talking about. She's a bit of a fixer-upper at this point, but she's got it where it counts. Right. Hold up, guys. Ismark pounds on the door. Hey, yo, sis, open up. After a moment, you can hear the sound of the door being unbarred. Got this bitch locked up tighter than Epstein's cell door, man. Yikes. The mansion door slowly opens with Irina standing in the center. Come on quick, man. We gotta get this shit locked back up. You hastily make your way inside the mansion as Irina and Ismark close and bar the door back. The interior of the mansion is well furnished, yet the fixtures show signs of great wear. Noticeable oddities are the boarded-up windows and the presence of holy symbols in every room. The Burgomaster is in a side drawing room on the floor, lying in a simple wooden coffin surrounded by wilting flowers and a faint odor of decay. As you can see, Dad's gone and died on us. Oh shit, where are my manners? Sorry, bruh. This is my sister Irina. Irina, these are the boys. The boys? Hell yeah, we're the boys. And Mr. Chips here is one of us. 
Oh shit, dog. I didn't even see the rat. Hell yeah. Your brother offered us a place to stay for the night if we helped him with some problem. I see. Did he tell you what the problem was? Not quite yet. I was getting to that part. Chill out. So, uh, my sister is basically like constantly being watched by Strahd. That's an understatement. He's been sending wolves and other creatures to our house night after night for weeks. Dad couldn't take it anymore and his heart went kaput like three days ago. That's why he's in the coffin. Yeah, usually people in coffins tend to be dead. You'd be surprised, man. Anyways, everyone in the village are too big of pansies to help Ismark take the coffin to the cemetery. That's what you want help with? I mean, not exactly, man. You can't help Ismark until you help me. This place ain't safe anymore, and I gotta get her ass out of here. I want to take her up to Valaki in the heart of the valley. Somewhere that's better defended than here, and hopefully out of view from Strahd's castle, Ravenloft. I know it's a gamble, but it's the best chance we got. And I refuse to go anywhere while my father lies dead on the floor. He needs a proper burial. If you help get him to the cemetery and buried, I will agree to go with you. I don't think we've even agreed to help yet. Mr. Chip, stop humping that rat. By the way, I think you've got a rat problem. Ha, get it, little buddy. Uh, ignoring that, Joe is right. We haven't even agreed to help yet. I do feel bad for your father, so at the very least, I think we should help get him to the cemetery. After that, we can figure out the rest. I can get down with that. Yeah, I think that sounds reasonable. Oh, thanks. Even just that is a major help. Now that that's taken care of, we need to get some sleep. Right. All right, I got a room in the back here y'all can use. There's only three beds, so I'll pull a couch up or something. All right, after going through all that and agreeing to help, you finally found a place to lay your heads for the night. Rest up. It'll be a big day tomorrow. If you like what you've heard, want to know what happens next without having to wait for the next compilation, or just want to see all of the visual elements to these episodes, please check the description for a link to our YouTube page. Don't forget to subscribe for updates on every new episode, and leave a comment to let us know you've joined the party.